having a crappy week, well, hang in there, because we are back with your favorite avatar, the last Airbender Rewatch pad- podcast. My name is Jacob Redman, and today I am joined by a wonderful guest. He is the host of the Brazilian Dragons pod, co-host of the What You Doin' pod with uh, Fifth Wheel Navi and Davis Comma Will. We are excited to welcome on Felipe. Felipe, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. It is a day here in Boston. I did not look, go outside today, so I don't have any weather updates for you. But it's Boston, so it's probably cold. Um, otherwise, I'm chilling. Is it bad? Is it bad that when you said it's a day, I thought you were going to say in Bossing Say? And I was like, I, 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 don't, I don't get the expression, but I'm here for it. It's a day in Bossing Say. Like, I loved it. I uh, mean... Ira was having a day in Bossing Sing this episode. That is true. Quite, uh, yeah, quite the bad day there. But terrible day. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get a flashback, and uh, Uncle Iro, who you know, most episodes with Zuko, you'd expect to get some Uncle Iro. Here we just get a really sad Uncle Iro, who no personality. Like this guy sucks. I do not want him to be my uncle. Yeah, but Zuko's a loyalist to that royalty loving kookiness, as Azula calls him. And that is true. I brought the energy today because I I <laughs> love iced tea specifically. Just get a pot and then put the little tea bag in and then put some ice in it. And, yeah, and like you're more of an iced tea, more of an iced tea than a hot tea. Yeah, unless I'm like not feeling great, but like I don't know. I, I have that summer energy. Uh, I want to yeah. live in LA, so <laughs> yeah. Was there for well, a at least minute. you're consistent. I am consistent. It's up. To, I grew up in Boston, so it's weird, but. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, but there you go. You know, we're not here to break down iced tea. We're not even here to talk about the weather. Uh, sadly, you know, my yeah, my weather I podcast I was on the wrong is, podcast. Uh, Wait, we're not know, here to right? talk about the weather. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh forty degrees and slightly sunny in Chicago. Uh, on this beautiful Monday uh, morning or day, Monday, I guess. Yeah, uh, Monday. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, no, no weather talk. I do think that I would enjoy being like a, a weather forecaster or not a forecaster. Like what, what are those people called? Uh, Howie Gordon from Big Brother. <laughs> Jacob's favorite. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, I think that would be a fun job. Uh, you know, you never have to be right. You just get to sit there and talk. Yeah. Like, what can go wrong? Honestly, like I know they probably have degrees and like have to study it themselves, but I feel like it's a lot of background people who just shove the teleprompter in your face and just say, this is the weather. I don't know. Yeah, but but I feel like you couldn't just... Uh, yeah, you still have to yeah. go to school and stuff. Like, it's like a journalism yeah. degree. You have to go to journalism school to be, like, an on-air reporter, I guess. Or not... There's other paths, but... Yeah. I feel like that's one of the jobs where, like, I guess you could fake it until you make it, but, like, yeah. it probably... Like, you'd have some pretty big... I'm a meteorologist. Syndrome. I just look at weather.com. That's the word. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, thank, thank you so much. All Listen, right, you're well, a math guy. You're not uh, we're a calm off. Guy. No, uh, we're off to a great start. We know the word meteorologist. Uh, we're here on some iced tea, but you know what? We're here to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender. Felipe, how did you get involved in the show? Why do you love it so much? So, I listen to a lot of podcasts on RHP and post show recaps, and a lot of people are like, "I was a day one fan." There's not many shows that I can say that about Avatar. And Danny Phantom, I think, are the only two I can say that for. Uh, that I was there day one. Avatar, it premiered on a Monday night. I was here. I actually... So, you did the Avatar movie podcast a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Trash movie. 
but I watched it because <laughs> I'm a loyalist of the podcast. And I, my dad was there. And he was like, I remember when you watched this the first night with the two-part premiere with Aang and the Iceberg because he told me that. And I just remember eight years old, I think. I was just sitting there watching it. And then my experience with Avatar was more of the Saturday morning catch whatever's on. It wasn't watching every episode live. So I don't think there were episodes I had not seen until I watched the show recently when it got added on Netflix. Uh, when you told me you were starting an Avatar podcast uh, before it was official. <laughs> um, and <laughs> then so I, I I don't think I had ever seen season three or more than a few episodes at the time. Because just like with the Saturday morning stretch here. It's hard with Avatar because you think of SpongeBob or you think of Jimmy Neutron or Timmy Turner, not Timmy Turner, Fairly Odd Parents. Um, and those you can kind of just pick random episodes and air them. But Avatar is such yeah. a serialized show. And even though there's like episodes that it's not, and I think you talked about this with The Great Divide, there are episodes. It's hard to pick random episodes and be completely caught up. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's true. Like, it's it doesn't really lend itself well to the rerun, just because like you really do need to know what's going on, especially like for the later like season three. Like, I'd be lost in the sauce jumping in, like watching Sozin's Comet Part Two. Like, I just have no idea what's going on. But I do think that uh, yeah, this is a show that is fun, especially on a rewatch. Uh, and I yeah, day one fan. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think you beat me. I didn't even start watching the first episode when it uh, when it originally. I was so, there, there day one. Almost over Day 16 one. years ago at this point. Yeah, yeah, just over 16 years ago. Yep. Uh, most important question, probably on everyone's mind, what type of bender would you be? So, I'm Latino, and I'm a Leo, so you would think automatically I'm a firebender, but I've always identified with the water bender, and maybe it's because I was that kid who got to the end in dodgeball, was super competitive, and then when I got out, I would go throw like my own pity party. So, that's a water bender <laughs> move, I feel like, to... Yeah, just yeah. I feel like the firebender move is to like, even though you get out, just to like still spite throw the ball at like the biggest person's face, just to like piss them off. Yeah, no, Th- that's my that's move. your move exactly. Um, uh, I I think I'm like uh hot like scalding water at times. I can I can bend <laughs> over into the fire territory, but I've always been like more empathetic and like an empath. Uh, this isn't a Marvel podcast, but I, I love Mantis and I feel like she relates to people and I feel like that's something I'm a people person. So just like feeling vibes and energies, I feel like that's more water bendering of me, but I can get spicy too. Uh, as, as the queen says, I can get loud too. What the, <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I like that, uh, that, uh, approximation that you came up with that you're like slightly boiling water. You're like a steaming a little bit, yeah. like maybe you'll become fire, but you're water. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So you mentioned that the show is 16 years old, but that does not stop news from coming out about nope. it. Nope. Uh, excitingly, uh, where we have some big news to announce. Nickelodeon said that they have an avatar studios with the co-creators of the original show. Uh, there was some drama a few weeks back as the co-creators left the Netflix show, um, over some differences there. And Nickelodeon scooped them right up. So here we go. Taking them back it's to their original promising. home. Yeah. 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 This is uh, this is great news. You know, I heard that they uh, might be making a movie that's coming out. Oh, I no. heard like <laughs> we <laughs> no, uh, I, I this one might be okay. good. This one might be good. And then I heard that uh, we might get like another TV show. So yeah. very exciting news in the world of Avatar. Uh, I did not see this coming. I did not either. Um that was like a very eventful day, Wednesday, I think, when they announced the Paramount Plus stuff uh, with all the Nickelodeon 
catalog. The thing that kind of was more important to me, not that I dislike Avatar, but did you see the Rugrats thing with the with the creepy Rugrats? I did. I did. Uh, and I think I'll keep seeing it in my nightmares because uh, it is, that is creepy. I'm not about that at all. Were you a voice person like The Voice? Did you ever uh, watch like the show? The, the Voice TV yeah. show? Like where they turn around on the yeah. chairs? Yeah. The Voice of Tommy Pickles was on it. And it sounds like oh. Tommy Pickles saying breathe by uh, Faith Hill. And anytime I hear that, I'm like, I remember Tommy Pickles saying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. The Rugrats, like, it just does not look good. I'm, uh, I'll probably watch it. Not very excited <laughs> for that one. I, I probably will watch it as well, but, uh, I'm sure that my sleep will suffer. Um, <laughs> but there you go. That is, that is old business, but we are, uh, you know, keep on keeping on trying to get to the, uh, to the next episode. We are here to talk about Zuko alone. This is one of the, like, more different episodes of the series. Like, this isn't, you know, what we typically get. We typically get, like, the gang and like a little Zuko B story, but no, here we have Zuko. It's Zuko all the way with it's some flashbacks. Zuko alone. It literally is Zuko alone. Yeah. And we just get him with some flashbacks and yeah, I, I like the episode. I think it's a good episode. You know, it's a lot of plot. It's a lot of like breaking down Zuko's character, but I think it does well for a plot based episode. I I'm a fan. What about you? I think this was probably like a huge risk at the time. Just thinking like network wise, they probably were like, we're going to have an episode knowing no Katara, no Sokka, no Appa, no Toph, who you just introduced in the last episode. So there's probably like momentum there. You're going to be like, no, we're going to do a deep dive into Zuko and the fire nation <laughs> and Azula will get a little bit, but none of the characters, you know, are going to be there besides Zuko, Iroh and Azula. And yeah, and this is weird timing for this to come out here, right? Like episode seven, like it, it is just as you mentioned, like right after we get introduced to the blind bandit, and it's like, oh hey, by the way, now it's time to like see what Zuko's up to. That that the timing is off. That's like the one thing. Like maybe put it uh, before the blind bandit. Yeah, like I think it worked out because these are one two punch of great episodes, and I love this episode so much. I think it's one of the best episodes bar none uh so it it was a risk it paid off but it's like weird location wise like you mentioned yeah yeah i I think that um you know this is it's a it's a great episode though so i'm excited to get into it uh we start out as zuko is just chilling by himself uh as the name of the episode would imply he's going around on his ostrich horse his stolen ostrich horse uh we get a really long like silent um like a silent start to the uh episode it's kind of like there will be blood have you seen that movie i have not but it gave me like old western vibes yeah yeah so like there will be blood like the first like eight minutes they're just like no talking just like a person like grunting a bunch to see like does like work i guess that's a terrible explanation please do not the doll grunts (laughs) what like Raphael nadal like how he grunts the tennis yeah, 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 not 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 that, not that much, okay. but close to it. But yeah, it's just like a bunch of like quiet stuff, and I felt like it worked like pretty well here. Like, uh, you know, he goes to a bridge. Uh, he like this is a very rickety bridge. Like, definitely go around. Uh, I would not go on this bridge. But he goes to a bridge. He like sees someone cooking, and he decides not to rob them. Like, this is uh, yeah. I I thought this was like a pretty good sequence. Any longer, and I would have been bored though, because like ultimately, I'm not here for the yeah. like animated silent shots can i ask uh, you, you a question do you think th- yep. is that the same pregnant woman and husband from serpent's pass 
Huh, I do not know. I wonder that if it is. is. I didn't think question. of that until just now. I'm like, the pregnant lady. Oh, the Serpent's Past lady was also pregnant. Uh, but in terms of what I thought, I really liked, like, we probably won't talk a ton about the score in this episode because it's less distinct than other episodes. But I really like the opening little vibes. And I also really like the color scheme that they use, like the patterns. I don't know if it's patterns, but I sent Jacob a photo of the ending shot from the episode, which is like super distinct and really cool. And I just yeah. love the whole like Western sort of theme of the episode. But it's like Avatar's epi- Western episode if they were jumping around. Yeah. They really do go like pretty full Western on this episode. You know, like later in the episode, we have like the guy roll up at high noon and like take on the baddies. Like it, they really go full Western. Yeah. Like there's lots of oranges and reds and stuff like that. So they really nail the Western Zuko vibe. is literally to the townspeople and a man on an ostrich horse with no name or whatever the song is. Because <laughs> he doesn't tell them their name until the end. So, yeah, yeah. And then he says it in a very dramatic way. Um, but yeah, like I, so actually, sorry, what's living rent free in my head is the fact that you said that this woman is probably the same one as Serpent's past. I, that has to be true, right? Cause in my notes, I was thinking how irresponsible it was for like a pregnant woman to be just chilling in the wilderness. And that's the exact type of person who's so irresponsible to go on the Serpent's past. <laughs> You're not so going to shame this woman and her husband. Like, She's chilling in a place with no food. The closest town is like overrun by a bunch of like bad earthbender soldiers. Like, I don't know where these people are going, but you she's pretty just pregnant. Go to the Fire I Nation? Like, I don't know if you heard that. That was for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you want her to just turn herself into the Fire Nation? Have the baby there? Yeah. I, I think the baby would have a better life than the wilderness. Okay. Well, the Fire Nation, the Fire Nation treats their own pretty well. Uh, t- they also lose their babies. Did you not watch the episode with Tom Tom? Mm, that's true. Yeah, I I did watch that episode, and uh, they do lose the babies. Also, they name them Tom Tom, which is like a much worse grievance than uh, Tom than Tom Tommy the baby Pickles itself. Tom Tom Tommy Pickles. Yikes, that's uh, that's pretty rough. But yeah, so what we see here is like Zuko is just happening along. Uh, you know, he's really hungry. It, like he's about to steal uh from this like pregnant woman and like his uh sorry to go back but he's about to like steal the food from the pregnant woman and he's like about to go take it with a sword like all you'd have to do is just say give me the food like yeah there's no way they're gonna fight you yeah because he's sleepy and he's like falling he's hungry he's falling asleep but then i think he sees the man first and he's like i'm gonna take it and then like the camera turns and we see the woman and he's like yeah. oh okay she's pregnant we see a little bit of zuko's compassion um come through yeah, I, I really do think that right here they do a good job because he really does seem like weary right now. Like that's just the word that came to my mind. Like his vision's getting blurry as he's going on. Like you can tell he's hungry. He's like probably not had water in a bit. Uh, yeah, like he's very much uh, yeah, just like weary. And I think that this is like a great job that the animators do to convey so much with no words. Yeah, and I I like that. They didn't do the classic, oh, I'm sleepy, I pass out here. And I think they subverted it like you would expect it to come, that he would mm-hmm. just pass out over the horse, but then he just makes it to town, and then we get into the meat of the episode. Yeah, so he happens upon this small town. This town is, like, maybe the saddest town that we've gone gone uh, to uh, up until now. Like, there's pretty much nothing here. It's, like, a really small village with, like, maybe one or two shops, like no one's out. Usually like there's some sort of like merchants or things going on, people walking around, 
but this is just like nothing's going on. The he sees a bunch of soldiers uh, that are playing this game. Uh, it looks like they're rolling some die. Yeah, he says spider snake eyes. Have you ever heard that? Like spider snake eyes. I've heard snake eyes. I've never heard. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is actually like uh, this was pretty funny because like you know snake eyes are like rolling one and one. Yeah. But spider snake eyes are when you roll two fives because oh, it's like a spider yeah. snake, just like all the other animals. And this really is a. Uh, this really is like a great episode for all of the different weird animals we see. Like there are so many, so many different cute ones too. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's so many different like conglomerations of animals here that I really think like this is the episode that really puts the like lore in the like mixed animals. Yeah. But, yeah. We, the spider snake eyes being two fives made me laugh out loud. Yeah. I, I was wondering what kind of game they were playing. Cause it's probably like, I feel like they can make a avatar set of games that they play in the avatar universe if there's like if hasbro or whoever's listening Mm -hmm. to this because we know they are um (laughs) you you just like take a ton of the games from avatar and then make them your own board games because you would make a profit yeah but it seems like the rules of this game kind of suck because the guy rolls spider snake eyes and then he gets punched like i think spider snake eyes is like what he was rooting for but like the reward is punched like that's just it's the players it's not the game that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, uh, I don't want to play any game where the goal is to get punched in the arm. Like, can you imagine if he rolled like a four and a six? Like, he's just getting like clocked. Did you ever do those things in elementary school where it was like, I forget, it was rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And then they would like, I win, you lose. Now you get a big bruise and they hit you. No, that was just. Uh, I, I never did that one. That one sounds, uh, yeah, like more. It was violent. Like, yeah. Yeah, that one sounds pretty violent. The one that I played is like you would hold hands. So like I would hold your left hand and you would hold my left hand. And then I would slap your hand as hard as I could. And then you would slap my hand as hard as I could. And then whoever gave up first lost. Oh, that uh, sounds vaguely familiar. I don't think it was like exactly that, but yeah. Well, that game that game is just a power of like how much will you have. And I have to say, I do not slap hard, but I never lost. Like I would just stay in there and keep getting my hand slapped and I'm like whatever. Like it's fine. That should We're be continuing. a future Big Brother endurance challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh yeah, I'm another kidding. competition. Yeah. Another competition where a big white guy would win. That's oh, great. I, I feel like there's yeah. like a lot of like they can't they can't handle it. They're like so fragile inside that the the people That's who true. have gone through more struggles in life can handle have more willpower. <laughs> okay, well then I'm totally there for it. Yeah. Uh yeah, as long as we get a new uh a new meta, new people winning. But uh yeah, so then Zuko goes up to this merchant. He tries to like hand him over some coins to get a meal, and instead the guy's like, "Sorry, I can't give you like co- uh, a hot meal and a bag of feed. So I'm going to give you two bags of feed instead." Like, why would Zuko not just say, no, I'll take one bag of feed and my coins back? Like, why? Like, what is he going to do with the second bag of feed? I don't know. Give it to the horse. Maybe the horse is so hungry that, I don't know. You, you make good points. I didn't even consider that. This is why we we, we have you do the economic uh, <laughs> tracking and not me. Yes. Uh, Professor Daniel, I'm sure, is uh, very excited to hear this economic analysis here. I Like, it just made no sense to me. Like, you know, just take your one bag of feed, take your coins, but and move on. But he at least buy water no. with it. Like, he's dying of thirst as well. He's not just hunger. It, exactly. But in, instead, like, uh, it seems like there's enough coins to get some eggs because there's another kid who, like, runs up next to the counter and throws one of the eggs at the soldiers. Yeah, so it's the main kid and then his friend who disappears from the rest of the episode. 
right? Yeah. I was like, where did he go? I want to know. Like, he, so he co- Zuko covered for both these kids, and only one has the decency to thank him. That's true. That other kid uh, is probably just like some spoiled brat who's not even going to risk saying thanks. But yeah. So then Zuko, what happens is like uh, the kid throws the egg at the soldier. The soldier's like, oh, Zuko, why do you throw the egg at me? And Zuko's like, I didn't do it. Uh, And like, of course he didn't do it. The man can't even pay for a hot meal. Like you think he's going to throw an egg at you for food? Like, no. I love Zuko's line. Maybe a chicken flew over you. (laughs) Like, I was. Yeah. That that is such like a jerk line to say, because like. Yeah, clearly that's not what he's looking for, but I did like that one. Zuko's super witty, and I don't think we talk about that enough because he's so sour, at least in the episodes we've covered so far. But he has some good, like, zingers. That one wasn't, like, his best work, but I really enjoy him on this rewatch because we think of Sokka as the funny guy. Um, It's so weird saying Sokka's name in this episode, (laughs) any of them, but... (laughs) It's, yeah, exactly. I really think that Zuko is underappreciated for some of his lines because everyone else has like talked about for having great lines, but not really Zuko. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that, you know, like Toph comes to mind as like the wittiest of them all. Uh, and I said, like, I think that Toph would win Quiplash. I think Zuko could like have some good ones. I think Zuko's like has some good jokes uh, and he's like pretty quick on his feet. I feel like Sokka's not even that funny. Like, I know that he's not even, like, in this episode, Sokka's so maybe the, we should just move on. the funny guy for the kids, I think. Like, if you're if you're a kid watching this, yeah. he's, like, kind of that... There, He definitely was used for the younger audience. I don't know if they anticipated this would be such a cult show for adults, too. But yeah. he was definitely their, their joke machine between him and Momo and Toph. I think they got... And Iroh, as well, for the Fire Lord stories. Yeah, yeah no... That that's that's definitely true, but yeah, you know, don't sleep on Zuko. Zuko's uh, pretty funny here. But then, uh, so this merchant comes over. He says, like, I'm going to take all of this feed because uh, apparently this dude's just got horses on horses to feed. Yeah. And uh, then the little kid comes out, and the kid's like, Oh, hey, like, thanks so much for not uh, like ratting me out. And Zuko's just like doesn't say anything. Like, totally no sells him. Doesn't say anything. And the guy is like, hey, like, let me take you to my farm and I can feed you in return. Um, Which is like the most clutch offer that he could have got. Very friendly. Yeah. Uh, We pass over the most important thing in my notes. These earthbenders, their weapon of choice is Mew Mew. Okay, Mjolnir. They literally have Mjolnir. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I did. uh, Yeah, so I guess we should describe these earthbending soldiers. These are like the like C tier team. Like this is like the the this is the group that you send in after the group that like you want to send in has like already failed, and you're just like, okay, well, let's just like give it an honest effort. Like all these people look pretty lame, and yeah, uh, one of them has dual wielding hammers, which is uh, a pretty pretty good weapon choice, especially for an earthbender, as we'll see later. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know, I didn't look up the voice cast for this episode, but I really liked the voice actor, even though I thought the the character was not my favorite. I thought he was a, an interesting voice actor. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, he has something going for him. He has, like, kind of a sillier voice. Like, he doesn't sound like generic soldier. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's but kind of like I, I appreciate random well. bad guy meets the boulder, sort of, like, <laughs> affectation. It might be the same guy. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's the same guy, uh, but I do. I do see that. Uh, yeah, I, I did appreciate him. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I'm glad that we stopped down on the the weapon of choice of two hammers. You yeah. know, twice as worthy as anyone else. Maybe, maybe he is. Take that, Captain maybe. America. 
Exactly. So then we go to the farm and this farm has all sorts of different pigs. Uh, these pigs have to be so annoying to live next to so because you have, they're cute. They're so cute. Oh my gosh. It was a little cute. The pig with the deer antlers. And then there was another kind of pig. And then there was the rooster pig. That one might be annoying yeah. in the morning, but you can appreciate the animal's cuteness without hating them. Jacob. No, I was not about these uh, about these animals at all. Like we have the pig who's a chicken, a pig who's a cow, a sheep, a deer. Like all of these pigs, I'm over. They were making a ton of noise. They were oinking, cockadoodle doodling. Like I'm over it. I do not want to live on a farm. Oh, me neither. Um, but uh, I, I, they were so cute to watch. It doesn't make them cuter to be pig form. Like they're still the same annoying as they were before. They're still cute. I don't, oh why are you goodness. such a hater? You probably hate Baby Yoda, too. Uh, I probably should not get into this. I think uh, we might lose some fans. Ma'am? Ma'am? <laughs> I can't deal. I, I, goodbye. Goodbye, friends. It was a great podcast episode. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. No, Baby Baby Yoda, like, is a little annoying. Like, he's not that cute. <laughs> this hurts my heart. We need to move on before I get upset. Okay. We, we, uh, we can move on. So, then he, they go back to this home. Uh, they have like this boy leads him to the, the nice little farm with, you know, every different type of pig under the sun and the father and mom come out and they are just are like totally fine with having this kid, Lee, who's like no older than eight, bring home like Zuko, who's like 14 at this point. Like they like, is it not weird that Lee found a friend who's like significantly older? It's definitely strange that they let him stay for the night. Like, I don't know what the conversation that must have been had between, I don't know, the, I didn't write down the mom's name, but Gonzo, which, quick teaser for our our bending breakdown, T-Quartet sort of thing later today, another Muppet name. Uh, but <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the conversation is, but I don't know. I, I, I Maybe they're like, your brother is in the war, you need a brother figure, he's probably the same age. Maybe they're like a little empathetic to that, but... Still, like, this man, you don't know him. He has a scar that looks like a flame on his face. Like, who knows? This man's mighty sus, for all we know. Yeah, like, this is not the type of person that, you know, I think my mom would have, uh, you know, welcomed into the house. It's like, if I rolled up at eight years old, like, bringing home the kid from, like, eighth grade and been like, hey, mom, this is my new friend. And then, like, because I think the reason why he's accepted is he's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, he stood up to the soldiers if, like, I said that to my mom, I was like, oh, yeah, mom, like, he just, like, stood up to these people. She would be like, well, that's not a good influence for you. Like, uh, yeah, like, you're not about to hang out with people that are just, like, making trouble. This reminds me of the time, quick story. Um, I was in Disney, uh, Hollywood Studios. I was 10, and my mom was having tooth pain. She had to get her wisdom teeth emergent, emergent surgery, emergency surgery that, like, the next day because they were so bad, but... I wanted to go on Tower of Terror. And she was like, okay, but you have to be right back here. And then in the line, I met like two high school girls and we like chatted up and they were like, oh, you should come with us to the rock and roller coaster after I go. And then apparently like my mom was in the the souvenir shop for Tower of Terror. And I just like somehow missed her and just went. And, I, and then I had the guilty conscience. I was like, I should probably tell her that I'm going on this because we took like an hour in the line or whatever. She was like, absolutely not. So just imagine like me telling my mom, I want these high schoolers to sleep in our hotel room tonight with us and hang out with us. I'm exactly. Like, yeah. 
But, but even worse than that, it would be like, if you cut the line with that person, it's like, oh, hey mom, like these are people who like stand up and like, you know, don't like listen to authority. Like sure. The authority is bad, but I would want my eight year old to not make trouble at least until like he can fend for himself. Yeah. No, but um, shout but out yeah, to those women. Like, I hope they're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Wherever they I'm, sure they're, I'm sure they're hanging their listeners. I'm sure they remember you. So uh, definitely. Yeah. I'm sure they'll write it. Could not tell you I have a, a bit of a, what? I could not tell you their names, but. Yeah, I could tell you their phone. I have a bit of a the phone that they you had. tell their what I could tell their you phone? Their, the type of phone they had, but I could not tell you their name. It was like a pink. Motorola. My guess is they probably they probably replaced it by now. You think? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a bit of a Tower of Terror story. Uh, so I went to Disney with my sister, and my sister at this point was like I don't know, like nine or ten, and the people on the Tower of Terror are like really committed to the bit, like. Oh, there's no way out. Like, oh no, you're trapped here. And my sister like thought they were serious. And she's like, I want to get off the ride. And they're like, no, there's no way out. And like the Disney characters were like playing it up, you know, they're being all silly. And my sister like actually thought that she was trapped. She actually thought there was like no way out. And she was like in tears crying. So on the photo, like that they take right before you fall, she's just like, everyone else is like screaming. They're like, ah, yay, like excited. And you can see her just like tears going down her eyes and she looks miserable. And you rub it in. Oh, as an antagonistic brother, this is like one of my favorite moments. This is like so funny. Now I thought of another story, but I don't, we don't have to get into it. If I, if there's, too much time taken away. No. Okay. No, let's hear so, I mean, let's hear it. Similarly, um, it must have been nine. That was the year I went to Disney twice. I went to Disneyland with family, friends in San Diego, and then uh, Disney World the next year when that happened. Or, I don't remember the timeline. But anyways, I was like nine years old. We were in San Diego staying with family, friends. And then at the weekend, we were going to go to Disneyland. Um, and all week, I was like, oh my god, I can't go on, wait to go on Space Mountain, Space Mountain. I would not shut up about Space Mountain. And then the day we were going to leave, it was like Saturday morning. We were having breakfast before we got in the cars and drove up to Anaheim. Um, my friend's dad uh, was like, didn't you hear about the kid who died on Space Mountain last year? I was like, how oh, no. dare you? I was so petrified the whole weekend. My mom was like, you're kind of going to go on Space Mountain because you've been talking about it. If you don't go on Space Mountain and you were sh- wouldn't shut up about this the whole week. Oh, then no. She eventually made like she didn't forced me to go on because i was an autonomous child but um mm-hmm. i ended up going and then that was the last ride we went to and i was like i want to go again at the end so i had a nice conclusion sunday evening when i did go on it and i wanted to go on again but they didn't let me because we had to go home but that that's just like rude to like ruin a child yeah. like that yeah that's the sort of thing that you say afterwards and just like get a reaction out of the kid but you definitely don't say it before that's that is uh, a step too far yeah you know what? If uh, if other people have good Disney stories, please do write them in, uh, especially if they lead to antagonizing your family members. <laughs> yeah, especially me. I, I Rob has called me his Disney expert a few times. So nice. tweet me, tweet me, share your stories. Yep. Well, we can uh, get off the uh, the Disney talk and you know go back to Avatar. So we get to this. Uh, yeah, this family like sort of introduces the town, says that the reason why like the soldiers that are left here. Um, are like here is because they're just like, you know, taking advantage of the town. They're just like doing whatever they want, kind of being bullies. Uh, and that all of the other soldiers are off fighting in the war, um, that are like, they're like actually doing stuff, uh, including Lee's older brother, Sinzu, who apparently is uh, out there trying to fight from the fight, the fire nation. The mom asks Zuko if he wants to eat some food and he's like, no, thanks. 
because uh, he's like way too proud, I guess. But like, this is terrible. You're about to steal food from a pregnant woman and you're not about to take food here. It That's was terrible. Very rude, right? Like, what is Zuko thinking here? Can you explain this yeah. to me? I my my brain does not compute. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure. Like, my guess is that he's just like feels really proud and like he doesn't want to get involved with this kid. Maybe he already sees like the similarities between him uh, as a younger boy and the kid, because like, as we'll see in a second, like we go back to a, um, a flashback. But yeah, like it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I really do think that you accept the food. If Uncle Iroh were here, then he would be accepting the food for sure. In fact, we've seen this scene before with Uncle Iroh around uh, where like Zuko is like, no, thanks. I don't want food. And Uncle Iroh is like, yes, you do. Like, let's go get some food. So Uncle Iroh is at least a good influence for that. As Zach likes to say, Uncle Iroh's a portly chap, just like myself. <laughs> and I can yes. say that too. So I would never reject food from these kind of strangers. Um, yeah. But yeah. So would you ever reject food? No, I mean, I feel like it would be rude. I am like a, a pretty uh, like strict vegetarian. Like I, I keep vegetarian. So like if someone offered me meat, I might decline and be like, no, I'm sorry. I don't eat that. But like, I think just to decline to eat, like, especially if someone is going to like make some food for you, like just seems like, I don't know. Yeah. Especially like, when just unnecessary. Zuko's like starving too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, uh, I guess uh, he ends up accepting the food, which he didn't want to do. And on top of that, he also has to help fix the yeah. roof of the barn. This was like, uh, uh, he didn't volunteer to like, he wasn't, he didn't go to them was like, listen, I will work for food and shelter for a night if you are willing to do that, because I know that's like been in movies and probably people have done that, but the child literally brought him there. And then the mom's like, okay, you can go fix up the roof. I'm like, I didn't volunteer for that. Maybe this is actually like a type of ploy. That would be genius. That's a great business idea, actually. So what you do is you have the kid come over and you're like, oh, hey, can you, like, come to my house? And then when they get there, it's like, oh, like, would you like to stay the night for dinner? Then, then like, them thinking, like, oh, yeah, like, I'll just be, like, kind and, like, politely decline. But then it's like, no, help me with manual labor. So then you get a free laborer to do your work. Like, all you have to do is just serve them cheap food, and then you come out ahead. This is genius. Maybe in a pre-COVID time. I don't know if I'm, like, advertising okay, yeah. that yeah. now. But yeah, maybe yeah, but, once know. everyone's vaccinated. You maybe you yeah. can employ this in in your you and Lydia can create this this society this like enterprise. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I need a bookcase um, and like all the bookcases I find online like aren't the right dimensions. So maybe I'll just like do this. I'll just like go around Chicago and like try to co op someone into making me a bookcase and like give them like ramen as payment. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, have you ever seen the show Nathan for You? I have not, but check out the Nathan for us podcast because they are great people over there. And I, it's on my list. And once I watch it, I will be an active supporter. Like I subscribe and everything, but I just don't watch the show. And yeah, I I want to. I I was just about to plug the Nathan for us podcast, which is hilarious. Uh, I've actually had to stop listening to it at work because even though I'm not in person, I'll like be listening to an episode and I'll start laughing and then someone will like need to talk to me and I'm just like laughing too hard. So definitely uh, highly encourage people to listen to the podcast, but this seems like a great Nathan for you idea to try to get someone to do work by offering them food and then guilting them into saying yes. Yes. Kelly or Megan, 
test this out with Jacob and let, and then you can do a full recap on it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we can get Nathan himself to help us out here, but there you go. You know, they, they get, uh, they try to get some work out of him. It actually seems like Zuko like is more, uh, more like work than he's worth, like getting this, uh, roofing done. Like he clearly has no idea what he's doing on the roofing. If you look at the amount of nails that he has next to him, it's like clearly a losing cause to have this man swing a hammer again. Yeah. Um, also, this this child loves asking questions, and we all know that children love to talk. But you literally distracted him to the point where he banged his finger. And <laughs> poor Zuko, and that was probably like the only physical comedy gag they had this episode. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, we didn't even touch on the backstory yet. Are we just doing the the regular plot and then going backstory? Uh, no, I think the backstory is like right after this scene because I think like first uh, he keeps asking him like, "Oh, where'd you get the scar?" and then it goes back to the uh, back to the past. So oh, okay. We'll go there in a second. I wrote family I... backstory, and I thought that was Zuko's backstory. My bad. Oh, no, because that gotcha. that's I was like they tell them about the sun. Okay. Yeah. 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 No worries. My bad. Uh, but yeah. So like this kid's like asking a bunch of questions. I was the same as this kid. Yeah. Like I would ask so many personal questions. Like I was a little annoying kid that would like keep asking questions over and over again. And honestly, like, uh, you know, I, I think this kid is great. I, yeah. I'm so into this scheme that they've got. I, I also enjoyed him as a voice character. Uh, good night, Lydia. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, but so yeah, I enjoyed this kid as a voice actor, uh, and I thought he was really fun. But I also was very similar to this kid. I would talk a lot, and then as a camp counselor later on, you realize how annoying kids can be, and that they have no personal boundaries. The ones that me and my friends always got was like, "Are you dating this counselor?" Like <laughs> that's the one. And then the funniest thing. So when I was a camp counselor, my co counselor he's gay, and they would kept asking him. Uh, that he, they were like, are you dating this girl from the, the cabin over there? And he would like, always like tell me, yeah, yeah, I am. And then he would, he would like, turn to me and be like, if only they knew <laughs> about my life. Yeah. I feel like that's like, uh, yeah, you really get into some trouble anytime you start asking questions like that, because it's just like, yeah, you might be getting into one of those areas where like, yeah, like you're just going to get like a, a silly answer. My mom asked me like a ton of questions. This is like totally unrelated to your story. <laughs> no, it's all good. We're, we're just going with it. My mom asked me a ton of questions and they're always of the same form. Like when we're watching a movie, she's like, oh, like who, wh- who did this director? Like what other movies has he done? Or like, oh, I love this actress. Like what other movies has she been in? And I've just started this bit where I'm just going to say, oh, I think it was Titanic just for everything. Because I'm just so over that question. See, uh- so. My dad does something similar. Instead of asking questions, though, he'll, like, insert his predictions. And, like, they're so off because sometimes I'll see the movie. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, where are you going with this? But uh, we see, I, we enjoy it anyways. Yeah, see, I think it'd be a great bit for every single time. Like, no matter what the story is, when he gives a terrible prediction, you're just like, oh, I think the ship's going to sink. And just, like, say plot points from Titanic. Like, this is what I'm hoping catches on. Please make 2021 the year of terrible titanic references who's titanic that's a, a recap joke never mind, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the bullshit recaps discord joke gotcha okay Oof. i thought i said something incorrect uh it's a late night here uh yeah just yeah. for the audience we're recording this monday night at 9 30 yeah. eastern uh yeah so 8 30 my time past my bedtime honestly um 
Yeah, so now we go back to uh, Zuko's backstory. We open on a little turtle duck, another uh, conglomeration animal. Aren't this one is cute. real. What? Turtle doves. My bad. Turtle doves, turtle doves. <laughs> I was like, on the first. I had to go through the whole song in my head. Oh my gosh. That. <laughs> um. Okay, I do not believe they're real. After Googling it, the only thing that comes up is Avatar. A turtle dove, that is hilarious. At first I was like, no, I don't. I really don't think turtle ducks are real, but... European turtle no. dove. It's a thing. European, yeah, turtle dove. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's like the partridge in a pear tree. Like I went through the whole song. Dates of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think this is a thing. No, but instead we get a new animal, and this is uh, a duck that just has a shell on its back. It seems really easy. Like, if I were to say, like, what's the easiest animal to, like, mash up? Like, turtle has to be the easiest one, right? Yeah. Like, a turtle, like, literally you just put a shell on, like, some animal's back, and you're like, oh, it's a turtle blank. Yeah. Lazy. I'm scared to stay too long on these ducks, because I'm scared that you're going to say that they're not cute, and I would have to fight you. No, 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 these are cute. Okay, uh, look. thank you. Okay, and this makes my take that the pigs are not cute even more uh, like coherent is because I will acknowledge that some small animals are cute. The pigs are not. These ducks, very cute. Huge fan. Can we get Jenny Autumn to weigh in on these turtle ducks as a big duck fan herself? I think I think that's what we need. <laughs> Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I'll, uh, you know, yeah. okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but then we see, uh, you know, someone who's not a fan of these turtle ducks, Zuko, uh, walks up to his mom, uh, brags about like how Azula is mean to these ducks and then throws a piece of bread at a duck. No, he throws a rock at the duck. Oh, it's a rock. I'm pretty sure it's a rock. Oh, that's way more rude. In my notes, I have a rock. Um, but maybe, maybe it's a heavy piece of bread. Cause that, that. That Yikes. duck did not enjoy that. And then I love like the the theme of the mother being protective in this. It's captured perfectly in this little scene because then the mother duck attacks mm-hmm. turtle, uh, Zuko, bites his leg. And then Zuko's mom, why that's Zuko was like, why that stupid duck do that? And then Zuko's mom is like, well, a mama bird's natural instinct is to protect your child. They'll go like, ah. <laughs> like kind of yeah. in front of that. And that's just like so thematically perfect for this episode. And that's why I think the writing on the show is so brilliant for a kid's show. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that like, what they do here is like, they have this like sort of flashback set up the rest of the story here where like you have someone who's like going to protect, like strike back. Uh, and I, I, I appreciate this, like how they go. The thing that I got stuck on though, is that Zuko's skin in the flashbacks is glowing. His skin is literally, like, just glowing with life. Like, I need his skincare routine so bad. Come through clean skin. Did you notice this? I or am I just like... No, you might just be on top of it. Okay. Um, like, go back, because you will just be shocked. His skin, mm, it is perfection. I mean, I guess he's also, like, eight, so he probably has not, like, see, acne. I was, I was paying attention, because I know this is a different voice actor, I believe, right? I like this voice actor a ton. I, he seemed recognizable to me. And Azula obviously is recognizable. So, um, Is it? Is it? Uh, oh, no. Though, yeah. This is a, a different little, voice actor. Little Zuko. The other people. Yeah. So, yeah. young Zuko is a different one. But Azula, the other voice Mai, actors and Tai are, are all. Uh, they're regular ones. Yeah. They're just like regular ones yeah. that like speak a little bit higher. I felt like, uh, yeah, because it's not Dante Basco. That would sound funny. Yeah. I would actually love if Dante Basco would do this. He's just like talking slightly higher pitched. 
Yeah, it, I, I just love looking up voice actors, and that's been a common yeah. thing on the Scooby-Doo podcast to see where people come in through uh, from different things. And obviously, like, Mark Hamill is on the show. So, uh, was this a, yes. was he on this episode? Because he speaks, I think. Yes, yeah, he okay. is in the episode. He speaks, like, very, very little uh in this one yeah like it seems like uh you know season three he talks like a lot yeah, more yeah. but he he is here in this yeah. one uh so mark hamill shows here, up in a lot of scooby-doo you know, stuff a lot of scooby-doo stuff a lot of joker stuff he's uh pretty yeah. good on the joker stuff Jedi but, the joker yeah um but yeah so then we get this little uh segment zuko and his mom are walking uh like i guess through a courtyard back home and we see young princess azula uh, she's doing a pretty good, uh, like cartwheel, but then just like does not stick the landing whatsoever. No, she does, uh, right? Oh, I, I'm pretty sure she's. I like, thought she fell. did it, and then Ty Lee one upped her, and then she pushes Ty Lee. Yes, yes, that is true. So like Ty Lee like does very well, and then she pushes over Ty Lee. I was not impressed by Azula's landing. Maybe I'm the harsh Russian critic who's giving like an eight on what you would consider. Did you ever do gymnastics? What was your like sports growing up? I know you talked about Taekwondo last week. (laughs) If I did gymnastics, that'd be terrible. I did gymnastics camp a few times. But yeah, yeah, I was not good. I did. I did baseball for a little bit. I played soccer uh, when I was like really young. Um, I played seventh grade B team football. I was the tight end. Uh, I caught one pass. Nice. Probably in the proudest moment of my life. Honestly, I probably peaked right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about you, Felipe? Um, well, so, oh my God, I just had something. I, I did, I did swim team growing up. Um, and then in high school I did water polo. I was the goalie cause I went to a, a boarding private school in Massachusetts. Um, they had a water polo team and then I played volleyball. Um, but, and, oh wait, I just, I did cross country in middle school. I was terrible. I just, as long as I didn't walk, I was happy with myself. Um, and then, so swim team was like my big thing. Uh, but when I was younger, I did soccer camp. I did baseball camp. Um, yeah. I got, I was, I remember my mom was really upset when I did baseball camp and I like got hit in the eye by a ball and they didn't have ice or a medical kit at that camp. Oh, and my wow. mom like called the like camp director and was like, "You are so unprepared and unqualified to like run this camp if you don't have a metal kit." I was like, "Yeah, yikes, that's uh, that's terrible." Yeah, she had a point, water polo is actually. Yeah. What'd you say? She kind of had a point. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely had a point. Water polo is super fun. I've never played like seriously, but uh, I played like some in college, like in an intramural. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. And we played with like floating devices, like little tubes. So it was like really easy, yeah. but it's so fun. It's like, fun. Uh, I loved being the goalie, especially in the shallow end goalie where you could stand, but they couldn't. <laughs> and then you could just be like, <laughs> and like, you yeah, feel so good exactly. about yourself. Like then when you have to like do the egg beating to get yourself up, that's a little less fun in the deep end. But when you, mm, when you can just yeah. like, when it feels like you have so much height advantage over someone because you can stand and they can't. That's yeah, I've never, uh, I've never had to do any of the fancy maneuvers with my, uh, with my floating yeah. device. I just get to play. Um, but then, uh, so Azula, who is like trying to get everyone involved, tells uh, or sees Zuko, sees that May is like kind of uh, getting interested in Zuko. Your girl, and May. Azula. <laughs> I love May. Azula says like, "Oh, hey, to Tylee, like, hey, watch this." Tylee laughs a little bit and Azula goes up to the mom and says, Hey, we need Zuko to come play with us for equal teams. Now this is, this sounds like a lot of fun. Like 
in this flashback, the expected value is, okay, you're about to play a game. Maybe it's tag. Maybe it's like, I don't know. What are other games uh, to play? Like basketball, Duck, Duck, uh, Duck, Duck, Goose. <laughs> yeah. um, hide and seek. That's probably a good one. Hide and seek. Yeah. But no, uh, instead he just gets made fun of. So the, the point of the game that they're playing is that Azula is going to put an apple on top of someone else's head and then try to set it on fire. Now, this is not a very fun game, especially because Tylee and May cannot play. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but Azula sets... Azula. Exactly. She really is gatekeeping here. Azula sets uh, May's head, or sorry, the apple on top of May's head on fire. Zuko freaks out, completely overreacts, uh, tries to knock it off of her head, but then just like full on tackles May into a fountain where they land on top of each other and they all start laughing. Here. Yeah. And Azula's like, look at us. I did this. My power. Um, this kind of <laughs> reminds me of that episode of Total Drama Island where they had to shoot the apple off the top of their heads. Um, cause I was like, what kind of messed up game is Azula playing? That girl. And I love that later in the episode, the mom was like, what is wrong with that girl? And I was like, same, same question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He says, like, I think uh, Zuko, as he walks away, just, like, shouts, like, ah, girls are crazy. Yeah. Uh, Which, like, is not generally true, but if your sister is Azula, I can see, like, how you would think that. Yeah, but Uh, that's also Jacob's favorite archetype is crazy little sisters, um, because he loves (laughs) Megan Parker from Drake and Josh. He loves Azula. That's true. Um, I love my own sister. Yeah. Oh, she's crazy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah. Big Megan Parker energy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, like th- this is like uh, a pretty fun game. Have you ever done this thing where you like put something on someone's head and try to knock it off? Oh, they were going to say and try to light it on fire. And I was going to be like, I've <laughs> never done that. Um, no. Have you ever tried to light anything on fire? Like this is about to be a way better story. Like what have you <laughs> no. tried to burn down? No, um, but I do like playing with lighters sometimes. That that sounds terrible. But like I, I'm that kid. So my, my aunt used to smoke and I would always steal her lighter just like the spark it because it's fun and then like play with the flame and pretend i'm at a concert um but uh and then also like it's i was never like a pyrotechnic but i i love whenever people make campfires i like to be the fire tender um mm. because maybe because i watch so much survivor um yeah yeah you know, uh but in terms of things on my head i've never put things on other people's head and try to knock it down but i have done the thing where i like try to balance a book on your head or mm. um like things on my head and try to walk uh so yeah what about you do you do you light things on fire on people's head do you play with well i i now have like so many places to go with this because i've got lighting on fire stories i've got things on head stories like uh yeah so i when we did fiddler the roof the musical uh when i was in high school there's like the bottle dancers that have like the bottles on top of their head so i was one of those uh i came in and did that dance um i I also had another amazing race if you ever go on that show that's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm already ready to go. But yeah, so like I, I was able to do that dance cause I was able to like keep it on my head. Uh, and then one time, like, uh, in between weekends, like between, uh, tech week and like the actual rehearsal, we were like practicing the dance and I was like, Oh, I wonder if I can knock this off your head. So I threw a rock at someone's bottle. The bottle broke and glass got everywhere. <gasps> I did, did not you slice them. Through. Uh, no, no, no one's going to trouble. And, Nope. More importantly, I have amazing accuracy. Okay. That's what the takeaway from the story is. <laughs> that that's yeah. the takeaway. As long yeah, as you have accuracy, I don't want you anyone, can throw things. Exactly. I don't want anyone to think that the takeaway is that I was irresponsible or that I was being silly. No, I have 
dead shot accuracy. Yeah, I might not be the best athlete, but I've always been proud of my arm. I have a good arm. Maybe not the best yeah. accuracy, but I have a good arm. <laughs> like that's good. Yeah. Um. So wait. So what's your what's your lighting things on fire story? Now that we're here. Oh well, my favorite tradition uh, after every year of school was at the very beginning of the school year. I would keep every single piece of paperwork that I got, like every test I turned in, every homework I did, like all the notes I took. I literally kept all of them. And then the day I got out of school, me and my two best friends would have a giant bonfire in the backyard and we would burn all of it. The fire department would come like half the years and be like, hey, you can't have a big fire and in you your do backyard. It again two years later and they're like, <laughs> we just do it again. Did not matter. It was so fun. We would create these massive fires. Uh, yeah. And like we had a bunch of bricks in the backyard. I have no idea why they left us bricks. But what we'd do is we'd like take the bricks and we'd have like a really elaborate uh, like fire structure, I guess, to like make it like pretty safe. And then we would like, yeah, we'd like burn stuff and we'd like throw stuff in between it. Anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Highly recommend. Uh, I'm surprised the fire department didn't make you move out of your town. (laughs) Like, (laughs) or um, no, but I had something to say, but I completely forgot. So maybe maybe that's better for the podcast listeners so we don't keep on going on tangents. But I love this. I love yeah. the tangents. <laughs> like my favorite thing. I was dying when you said that you licked the museum pieces. Oh, yeah. that I probably should not have shared that one. You know, if anyone uh, ever goes to the museum I used to work at, they'll know that I licked it. And that's just... that's No, you have to take me next time. Like I want to go and I want to see the exhibit. <laughs> I, wanna, I want you to point it out. That is the thing I like. Honestly. Licked. That is where honestly, I licked it. You can probably see my tongue mark. I bet that we could go to the same museum. I know how many security guards they have. They only have three. It's a big museum. You know, next time you're in Chicago, Felipe, I bet you could lick the exact same thing I licked. A different spot, a different spot, but you could lick the same. No, I, I, I want to I do something else. That one's already done. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Bigger and better. Anyway, back back to uh, the podcast. I have zero way to transition smoothly, so it's going to be a little abrupt. Uh, Zuko's mom has a letter from uh, Iroh. This is the Iroh that we were talking about earlier. This is the Iroh who's just talking about like how the wall is so magnificent, so the city must be great, and saying that like that they hope that they burn the city to the ground. Uh, and he through, comes bearing gifts. Even through that message, you see that the like the little character details and I saw who's that Iroh, um, where he just like says it so poetically and like how he's like the city is so magnificent. I can't wait to burn it down. Like, like yeah, I yeah. wish I appreciated beauty, the simple beauties of life. Like Iroh appreciates everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that like Iroh here, you know, he's doing a pretty good job as an uncle. Like he's definitely like an above replacement level uncle here, uh, except for the gifts that he gives Azula. So for Zuko, he gets a pearl dagger. The dagger belonged to a general who like uh, who surrendered. Yeah, and it, and it has, it has an inscription, a, right? Yeah, it says like never give up without a fight. You know, like a really nice, uh, thoughtful gift. And for Azula, she gets a doll that matches like the latest Earth Kingdom fashion, which is just like yeah, a little heteronormative neat. with the gifts. But yeah, um, I would take the doll. That doll was nice. Like she, she looked very comfy to hug when you were trying to go to sleep. No, that doll looked like the thing that Michael Scott made uh, as his goodbye present. That just looked like he put no effort into it. That doll looked cheap. Yeah, it looked cheap, but it looked fine. It wasn't like it's it's no stuffed animal, but it like she she seems she seems peaceful and like not too much trouble. 
Yeah, well, Azula agrees more with me. I know, she just burned that that woman's head. (laughs) Yeah, she literally grabs it in her hand, burns it to the ground, and then says, like, the most rude thing. So now we're about to get something, which, like, you're going to have to help me a little bit here. I'll do my best. Because... Because Azula is, like, going through all of this politics about, like, how the Fire Nation's set up and all of this. And she just, like, straight up says this. She says, like, if Uncle doesn't make it back from the war, then the father, then, like, her dad is next in line to be Fire Lord. And then, uh, like, her mom is like, no, don't say that. Like, how would you feel if Iroh's son were to want your dad to die? Yeah, and Zuko says that too. Like, how would you feel? So, do you want Cousin Luten to die or something like that? Zuko says the same thing. Yeah, and and Azula's like, well, I just think my dad would be a better Fire Lord than Uncle Iroh. Like, what? And that's where she... Where is that coming from? That's where she calls him his royalty-loving kookiness, which I took and named myself that. Um, Yes. But this woman's unhinged. Even as a seven-year-old, she's getting into political... uh, political strategy and and all this stuff and i was like i don't know about you but i was not up to date on my politics at seven yeah like i feel like she understands like the different ways that like all of these like different mechanisms work like oh you know if this person dies this person's next in line and then this and this and this like i don't know that's that's some complicated stuff like i barely understand like the american political system like i do not understand how she gets all this fire nation stuff so quickly yeah, maybe it's just because there's only four nations, so, like, a little easier to, like, c- break down. But even still, like, Addis says seven-year-old, I didn't know American politics that well. Um, exactly. I was too busy focusing on the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour and how excited I was about that. <laughs> um, That's true. Probably without TV, I bet kids knew a lot yeah. more about politics. Cause, like, what else would they do? Yeah, probably in the olden days when radio was everything, so... Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then we go back to uh, another kid. Uh, now we see Lee who steals Zuko's swords. He gets out and he starts playing with them, hacking at a field of sunflowers, pretending like he's fighting some people, uh, like just going crazy with it. Then Zuko just like appears and like comes out of nowhere. And Zuko like knows nothing about knife safety because uh, like the number one rule should be like, don't scare someone with a knife. Yeah, I Zuko is not an adult. He also knows better than to let a child take his swords. Like even even as a defense tactic, I think he shouldn't have left the swords out in the open because who knows? Maybe those Earth Kingdom sh- soldiers show up. They're like, "Let me take your sword, Fire Lord Son." Even though they didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Also, do they not have wanted posters in this town? <laughs> yeah, you would think like wanted posters along with the fact that like he has the most distinctive scar would like make Zuko just really difficult to uh like to hide. Um but no, like Lee like steals the swords and then Zuko's just like, "Hey, well like if you're going to use my swords, at least like let me tell you how to do them correctly." So he gives him like a free sword lesson. He says like, "Don't think about them as two different swords. Think of them as one uh like one motion, one blade, yeah. and you it needs to be a lot more fluid." Two swords I have one to weapon, say, he says. Yes, yes. Uh I have to say like, you know, we see Master Yu last week try to teach Aang earthbending. Zuko's like 50 times better of a teacher than Master Yu was. Like, Zuko could really run an academy and just make bank. Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, he is Aang's firebending teacher later on. So, I mean, uh, and you'll get to to the episode sometime, but when Toph teaches Aang, she's not the best teacher off the the start. So, (laughs) Zuko's definitely, like, probably, besides 
the adults and maybe Katara, I think he'd be the number two person I would go to for like lessons. He he, yeah. he also yeah. like uses the way he explains it is like very deep, but also easy to understand if that makes sense. Like the two halves, one weapon line was quick and it makes so much sense. It like is easy to click for Lee. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got really intuitive explanations. I feel like that, that is like a big thing of what makes someone a good teacher. Uh, but then like Lee says that he wishes that uh, his brother Sinzu would have been there to be able to share things like this, like Zuko is. And that's a nice little touch. He's also like, you would kid. love my, my brother Zenzu. Uh, and yeah, then we go, yeah. we get the, the time lapse with the sunrise and stuff like that. And Zuko's mounting the ostrich horse. Yes. And, uh, so then they get some food, uh, customary for people as they leave to get a little bit of extra food and these people, um, so yeah, he's like about to leave. He's, you know, leaving away from, um, this area, the soldiers really low roll here because if they would have waited like an extra 15 minutes, then like Zuko wouldn't have been there. And then like, it's totally fine. Like he would probably not have known any of this, but instead, uh, they come up here they like roll up just to say like, Oh, Hey, by the way, your son's battalion was captured. And then they go in like to say like what the fire nation does to captured soldiers, which is like terrible. But like, why would you go up and say this? Like best case you make these people feel bad. I I don't understand the motivation. Twitter troll move where you're just like, Oh yeah. (laughs) So your son's probably going to die. Sorry. Bye. (laughs) Like that's such a, I don't want to be vulgar on the podcast, but that's that's um, a, a falafel up move, as Puya would say yes, on a podcast. Falafel, falafel up move, uh, indeed. Yeah, this has like big like Twitter egg energy, like someone who's just like being mean for the sake. I mean, the of guy being is mean. an egghead, as we established earlier. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So this has like big Twitter egg energy. Like they're getting literally nothing out of being mean, except to be mean. But there you go. Um, they tell them that what they do with a with the. Uh, the earthbending captured people is that they put them in the front line dressed up like fire nation soldiers and just let them go, uh, on the front line, uh, apparently like get got, it doesn't make a ton of sense that like the earthbenders, as soon as they are on the front line could just like use their earthbending to help. But also that's, beyond. can I ask a question? Are these supposed to be like this, the cops of the, like, the law enforcement of this town? Or are they supposed to be, like, soldiers that are not in the war being lazy? No, I think that they were explained as, like, oh, yeah, like, the real soldiers are fighting, but these people are, like, here to protect us from the Fire Nation in case. They're the B-Squad. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, like, the, these are, like, the the leftovers. <laughs> like, these people are, are essentially just, like, the, the cops. And they come to, like, brag that their side lost the war. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, like best case you just stunted on your own nation like you're literally b squad but whatever um so the next thing that we see uh is we go back we get a flashback um, right because zuko steps in front with the ostrich horse and then we get a flashback i think yep so this one we get a flashback uh it goes back to lutin's death um as they like get a note that says oh hey like your your cousin has died um the mom like rolls up and delivers this message and like she starts crying and then we flash back to the present um where the father says he's gonna go look for the son totally losing proposition like i get why you'd go do it but like yeah gonzo maybe you should have stayed home like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah like best case like you're gonna get captured yourself too like 
Yeah. I, I don't know what his plan possibly could be. But then uh, Zuko, like, feeling like he, you know, wants to do something, ends up giving Lee, well, a little kid, a knife. He asks if Zuko will stay, and Zuko's like, nah, dog, peace out. <laughs> um, but yeah. here's the here's the dagger, read the inscription. And I mentioned the, the thumb earlier as the only comedy gag in this episode, but no, this one, there was also this, where he opens the knife, and Zuko's like, read the inscription. He's like, made in the Earth Nation. Um, and then yeah, yeah, like yeah. The he other says side. maiden. He says maiden Earth Kingdom, and that makes me laugh every time because like I keep expecting like oh never give up without a fight, which is like what we heard earlier, and they yeah. set that joke up perfectly. I mean, land. that knife could have been written by Chumbawamba by the inscription on it. Literally, what? never give up without a fight. I get back. To, I get knocked down, so I get up again. That's like I feel like they're the same metaphor. <laughs> uh, that's true. Maybe you know what that was a reach uh, for the joke, but. No, no, I appreciate it. For for coming on the podcast, I will get you a pearl inscripted knife that says, I get knocked down. But I get and up anyway. again. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, so then we go back to another flashback. Um, here we have uh, Iroh, uh, or we have a note that says Iroh's going to come back um, after the war. Yeah, Zula uh, also... Her- shares the message too. It's not, it's not the mom, it's Azula who's telling Zuko this time or reading the note. And sorry if I cut you off, but uh, Zuko was just like, do you have basically like, do you have no compassion in Azula? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, I forget the specifics of what she said. You probably took better notes than me. But basically, like Azula wants uh, dad to ask uh, Ozai to ask uh, Fire Lord Azulan to be next in line or something. Yeah, so she, like, comes in. Azula's, like, the most jaded youngster I've ever met. She's like, oh, yeah, our uncle's a quitter and a loser. Like, oh, well. And then she's just, like, saying how, like, the Fire Lord's gonna die soon and how, like, her dad's gonna be a good Fire Lord, which, like, is, like, uh, I don't know, very involved. But then, yeah, so as you said, the mom comes in um, and says, like, oh, yeah, we're gonna have everyone, uh, you know, come in and we're gonna have um, Fire Lord Azulon is gonna meet with Ozai and they're all going to come in and Ozai has like some ask. Um, yeah. Then Azula like stuns on Azulon saying that he's not as powerful as the fire Lord that it used to be uh, more just like needless slander. Uh, and then we go into the throne room yeah. and this is a throne room we've seen a few times before we have the fire Lord sitting up on the perch with all of the flames in front. Uh, but this time, instead of having Ozai on the throne, we have an old man, Azulon on the throne. You know, we mentioned Disneyland earlier, and I feel like there there are some locations that they could really make interesting, like, set pieces for, like, you know, Wizarding Wars world sort of style. If there was, like, an Avatar world um, for, like, I know Nickelodeon had their theme park for a while, but I think the throne room and is, like, really cool if they ever made it. Like, that would be a museum I would go to, <laughs> the, the yeah. Avatar Museum. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I guess uh, if I'm thinking of other places that we could get, we could get like a bossing say. I feel yeah. like that'd be cool to like get the wall and like the Earth Kingdom like palace thing. Yeah. And then like uh, a gift shop could be the pirate boat from that episode. Mm, that, nice. Uh, uh, and you're allowed to steal from there, right? Yes, because we, we established this podcast has stated that you are allowed to steal for, for pirates. Exactly. Which is weird so you're, you're the firebender, allowed- but you disagreed with that. It's just immoral anyway. Um, yeah, so you're allowed to steal from pirates, so definitely can steal from the gift shop. That's a good idea. We should continue planning out the uh, Avatar like theme park. park Literally, ride. Nickelodeon, if you want to hire me, I have ideas. I, yeah. I would I would like to 
help create this world. I, I have a friend who worked at a, as an Imagineer, I think, and like Disney? helped build, yeah, had helped build like the new Star Wars park. So maybe oh, we can get does? him involved. Yep. Um, maybe we can get him involved and we can get some Avatar. Uh, Avatar yeah, I think the coolest job is those people who design the stories for theme park firework shows or like parades and stuff like that, who like get to design that. I think that's so cool because like they have a story producer for everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my professor at uh, Com in one of my classes in LA, it was like careers in Hollywood and he's an executive producer and his brother uh, wrote the script of Toy Story. But at the time of the class, he like, he wanted to get his brother to come in and do like a guest speaking spot, but his brother was busy in Vegas designing the story mm. for Cirque du Soleil. So I think those, nice. like so, those story producer jobs are super cool. And like, I wish I knew more about them because like, I just find them so like, and then you, you're like the water shoots now. And then the firework goes off and the flame, like that would be super cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. avatar, I have ideas. <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh yeah that that, that that would be pretty cool uh i'd be definitely first in yeah. line there um but yeah so so we have azula like she's giving away all this information like it seems pretty clear from what ozai is about to say that he's like planning some sort of coup like he's trying to take over like take the throne away from azula and he's trying to you know get rid of iroh's birthright and take control himself Azula should like really learn how to be quiet because she's going to take away like any element of surprise from this. And that's just like a terrible idea. Yeah. Azula, Azula has ideas, but she needs to learn how to execute. And that's like when we get the reminder, she's a child and I don't know why we're like trying to celebrate her, like trying to critique her strategy for becoming a dictator, but that's what the show is. (laughs) Um, So she, she, in an ideal world, if that's your goal, which I don't want to give, advice i do not solicit these advice but you should you should just be quiet azula like don't don't the element yeah. of surprise is powerful exactly learn how to bide your time a bit and i feel like that's what ozai does here ozai goes into the throne room and he kind of makes a play at the throne saying that he's the one who should be the fire lord uh that uncle iroh doesn't have any bloodline left like there's no one else left to um left to like take his place and that he should become like the person in charge Fire Lord Azulon is not about this at all. Like, this is a real political play that Ozai is making. It seems pretty risky, and Azulon shuts that down immediately. Yeah, he's not about that life. He's also, like, over it because they wasted his time because Azula had to demonstrate that she knows her oh, stuff. Yeah. She she can firebend, and then Zuko, like, is like, I need to show him, too. And then he falls on his face, and like Chumbawamba, he gets back down, and then he gets up again. <laughs> so, um, and then the mom is like, okay, let's go away, and then that so Azulon is like ready for a nap. That man was not there for that moment. He was he was like, get yeah. out of here. Yeah. I, I actually totally forgot about the like, I'm gonna show you how to fire bin part. Like that has to be the most boring thing ever. If you're a Zulon, you're like, let's say a 90-year-old firebender, you're a master, and you're watching like an eight-year-old do like basic forms. Like, come on, give me a break. Like, but I know they don't have his, TV, but please. Those are his grandchildren. Like maybe in a different setting, he should be a little more accommodating. But I guess this was like a business meeting. But I don't know. This is essentially like a dance recital, and I have to say, I've been to enough dance recitals for my children. Or for not your my children, children. What? Jacob? How many children do you have? <laughs> like seventeen. No, uh, for my cousins. From my cousins, and those things are so boring. Uh, I think as a grand grandparent uh, for my many children that I apparently have. Um, I do not, I'm not trying to go to any of the, uh, any of the dance recitals. Those things are awful. Yeah. So 
Jacob is not yeah. about about dance recitals. So no. apologies to your younger siblings if they ever have a, a play that they show up for that you don't go to. Exactly. Um, but so then what we see is like they're leaving the room and Azula pulls uh, Zuko aside. How do they not hear them? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like they, they probably know. But yeah. anyway, um, Azulan says that like uh, you need to know what the pain is like um, for to know like what's going on. Like you uh, are not going to like understand or you can't understand what it's like to lose your firstborn kid and that uncle Iroh suffered enough and now your punishment needs to begin and then we get like a bunch of flames rising and it's like pretty clear that the punishment is that Zuko's gonna die right uh yes but also Zuko runs away so he doesn't hear all of it or he leaves um I, see my interpretation at the time was probably like this is where Nozai killed Fire Zulon. that's what I thought but then I feel like we get that later because the mom there's like probably scenes that we miss. I feel like there's a lot to be inferred here that we probably know more because of later episodes, but yeah, th- there's also, there's a comic book that has most of the answers to this. Uh, and maybe what's, like, what's uh, do you, do you expect maybe, me to maybe read? we can get, maybe we can get like a, a quick little, uh, a spoiler warning. If you don't want to hear this, like maybe skip ahead a minute, but there's a comic book called the search, which is like, uh, it has like some stuff like after the events, of what happens. And it's like Zuko's quest to find out like what happened to his mom. Um, and in the search, we find out that like, uh, after Ozai said, like, I want the throne instead of Iroh, Azulon told Iroh that, uh, sorry, Azulon told Ozai that he has to kill Zuko. Uh, and so his mom, not wanting for Zuko to die, made a plan to like concoct some sort of medicine to kill Azulon. And then Ozai said, okay, but if you do this, then you have to like be banished and you can't come back. Yeah. Um, That is the very high level. Because I only remembered, uh, I only remembered uh, Azula, not Azula, Ursa from visions or dreams after this episode, Mm -hmm. right? She doesn't, she doesn't come back. Yeah, no, I I don't I don't think she comes back proper, but there is like a comic book where you learn like a lot more about this stuff, and it's like definitely worth the. Did you read that, or did you like look it up online? No, I I read that like years ago at this point. See, Uh, and you're usually the one who doesn't read the comic book. It's always Zach who has to educate you. Well, no, because Zach read the uh, the Kiyoshi. novels of Kiyoshi yeah. that I'm uh, like very excited, or Kiyoshi novel, I should say it correctly, um, that I'm like very excited to read. I think those came out after like I was like way into Avatar, like, and it's only like through this podcast that I'm like come back and like when it came back on Netflix, I got way into it again. Um, and I think like I will get around to reading it, but I yeah. haven't had the time yet. See, that's what I interpreted that she either like Ozai either killed her, no, not killed her killed Azulon and was like, okay, go away because you're the reason Zuko survived and stuff like that. Um, but like, why? This this family has issues. If, if the <laughs> grandfather's like, this was sacrilegious what you just said, that you want to take the throne. So to punish you, I'm going to kill your son just like you, the, like you invoked the name of my other grandson who died. I was like, this family needs to go to some counseling because this is a pro counseling pro therapy podcast yeah they definitely could use like a central mediator here i mean this is like a terrible terrible decision um but yeah so then azula even comes in and like starts stunting on zuko she's like dad's gonna kill you like sort of like that sing-songy likeness yeah Yeah. why does it have to be Zuko? why not a jerk move imagine if zuko was like well i'm gonna go tell dad to kill you instead i was like this family (laughs) needs needs to talk it out just no fire yeah. bending. Just 
sit at the table and have yep. a conversation. Yeah, ex- exactly. And and here she says like, uh, you know, Azula's like being a jerk and he's like muttering to himself, like Azula always lies and he wakes up and he like is saying it again to yeah. himself. Like this is clearly weighing like pretty heavy on his mind. Yeah, no, for sure. But what do you think of the, the fact that he said it in the present time when Azula's not really connected to this episode outside of the, the past? Like, obviously this is a backstory. Do you think, do you like the fact that he brought invoked Azula's name here in this instance? Like, obviously he's thinking back to that time, but otherwise, like, what's the reasoning besides like future episode arcs and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the reason is like he's just like traumatized by this. Like, it looks like he was kind of like asleep in a way. So, like, maybe it was just like him like asleep saying this. But yeah, like I kind of got out of it. Like this is still like weighing on him heavily. And this is like the sort of thought process that you're going with. Like yeah. we're sort of getting his thoughts as he's doing this. He like had that fear. Um, and then it plays in like, cause right afterwards, um, Lee's mom pull, like rolls up on a cart and she's like, Oh, Hey, like Lee pulled a knife on the, um, men. They took him away saying that if he's old enough to fight them, that he's old enough to fight in the war. Um, and like, she's all in tears and Zuko's like, okay, I'm going to go help. And I feel like this is like Zuko acting like the turtle duck, like his mom acts like the turtle duck to him. Yeah. And I I noticed that the mom was like, I don't even know where he got the knife from. And she used the word, she like said it in the way that if they, the soldiers are like, if he can fight, then he can join the war. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. the knife does say never back down away from a fight. So. Yeah. So it definitely, they probably saw the knife, and and I think that's yeah. like another clever way that the writers tied that in, like that little. If you rewatch it a few times, and you're like, oh wow, um, yeah, Lee definitely took it to heart uh, and immediately starts fighting. This is where we get like the most old western like stuff. Uh, Zuko comes into the town uh, as the like sun is going down. And he's he removes tied up on a his pole, right. Uh, yeah, Lee's like on a pole and he, uh, like Zuko removes his hat and he's like, now listen here, partner, you need to release my man. Like he doesn't obviously say it in a Southern accent, but I'm sure he says something like Were that. Were we watching I the same one? Cause he was saying the Southern accent for mine. Oh, he was? Yeah. Oh, dang it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'm just like, that's just me um, in Texas. Like I just like filter it out. So I didn't sure. notice it was a Southern accent. Um, no. I didn't know if you were going to bring this up, but it's just the first time that, like, weapons were used to enhance bending in the fight, uh, in this show. So, like- yeah, so so we see this guy with a hammer. The guy with a hammer, like, uses it to, like, get some of the earth and then, like, knock it back. We've seen uh, Aang in the episode yeah, the where he's, like, with Kiyoshi. Well, with his staff, for sure. But when he has all of Kiyoshi's relics, he uses the fans um, as, like aids to his airbending as well so we've not seen it a ton um but really this like is that. like it is super cool yeah my favorite was when he like got a stack of like cinder blocks basically or like clay bricks and then he like t-balled them up and like was like pulling 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 <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good description and that's how yeah, they sounded so, yeah. in the episode too that's that's the sound yeah, that yes. they had but with a southern accent so it was like boing 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 yeah. like that right yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. We watched the same one. That's good. Um, so he rolls up and he fights these people. The, the first few people just get immediately wrecked. So the first guy charges at Zuko and Zuko doesn't even have to like pull his blade all the way out. He literally just like takes it like six inches out of the sheath and he like knocks the guy him. back so far. It's yeah. more of an elbow he, than a, than a, than a attack. And he elbows him so hard that he starts running away. Like the, <laughs> Zuko has an intimidation of like 20 and no he like rolls a nat 20 here. from the earthbending 
(laughs) soldiers. Exactly. Like they've got no resolve. It's terrible. Um, then like the next person rolls up and he just like flattens the person just entirely just knocks him down to completely flattens him. Um, the next person we see is even more impressive. He charges at him with a spear and he just chops the spear in half by kicking it. Um, this is actually a move that I think that we've seen before. I think in season one, Zuko does a similar thing with a spear. Um, it's like Zuko's go-to, but then he actually gets like his match. We see hammer versus sword. As you mentioned earlier, this hammer guy uses the hammer to help his earth bending. Uh, so it's not just hammering. Zuko looks like he's getting beat here uh, by just using the swords. He's not really able to hold his own. What were your thoughts when you were watching Zuko fighting this hammer guy? I mean, he's really trying not to firebend at this point because we see later that when he does firebend, he can easily take these guys out. But um, I think he knocks most of them out. And then he's also so sleep deprived for the most part. Like he got one night of sleep and got one meal, but he's probably still trying to recharge a little bit. Mm -hmm. Plus he's trying to not bend fire so i think he does he has a strong showing but obviously he gets once the guy starts bending he he gets laid out pretty easily and also like the rocks hit him right it's a sharp rock they he like is laid out for a minute can we talk about my favorite npc from this episode yeah go ahead i man. assume it's the yeah the yeah. old man yeah um, let's, the let's old talk man, old man. And i think it's his wife was like give him with the left uppercut or whatever he says and then his wife is like it's not a fist fight roger or whatever his name is roger yeah. the NPC. Yeah so, yeah so the guy's like uh give him a left which is like a, a classic thing you'd say in boxing and yeah. his like old wife's there right there to correct him and he's like well he's got a left sword don't he and here i actually think there was a southern accent she yep i think roger and margarita those are their names. Uh, it's <laughs> okay, Roger and Margarita. Way to way to retcon that one. But yeah, so Roger and Margarita roll up. Those are not Southern names. No self-respecting Southern woman's going to be called Margarita. Margarita. Mar- what is that from? I don't know. Uh, maybe I had Jan <laughs> from Thailand on the brain when she wanted the margaritas. All right. Sounds good to me. This um, is a mess. You maybe should have released it because I'm atrocious. <laughs> Uh, yeah you know i I, i've been having fun you know i think that i think we can manage uh you know just next time we'll be better uh yeah um but so yeah so then we have the uh we have this guy who just keeps getting knocked back uh, or he keeps knocking back zuko yeah like zuko is able to like parry the attacks but not really make up ground and finally um he like hits the ground like really hard and he's thrown into a memory um from hitting the ground it's Zuko. He's asleep in his room. He like kind of stirs a little bit. His mom wakes him up and says like, everything I've done is to protect you no matter what. Like, don't forget who you are. Wait, I'm here to protect you and uh, hugs him and leaves. Ursa Atla. There we go. Let's see if that, cause I remember I saw her quote at the top of the page. Um, Zuko, please, my love, listen to me. Everything I've done, I've done to protect you. Remember the Zuko, no matter how, things may seem to change never forget who you are yeah like all of this is fine um like i I don't know what what were your thoughts when she said this to zuko i was like i want to know the tea why'd she leave why was she that that was my (laughs) first thought but then i was like they clearly have a special bond in a way like azula is kind of like a loner to an extent like she interacts with zuko as far as we've seen she's obviously like daddy's princess as we'll know from the show later on but 
like in this episode, we really get everything through the perspective of Zuko and his mother and then Zuko and Azula. So, and the only positive one is from Ursa. So like to, to see her leave and knowing that Zuko is like now abandoned from like also exiled from the fire nation. It's kind of like, it's not like, I didn't cry, but it's, it definitely pulls on your heartstrings a little bit. Like that she like left and he doesn't have that like protector figure. Cause Azula is going to tease him and she's clearly saved Zuko's life. Yeah, it does seem like after um, after she leaves, like Zuko's life gets a, a lot worse. Um, like this is skipping ahead a little bit, but we can go ahead and tackle that memory. Like after the mom's left, Azula's like, oh, without your mom here, like no one's going to protect you. And by the way, like the Fire Lord died and all that. And it does seem like without uh, the mom there, like Zuko doesn't have anyone in his corner. But I have to say, and I don't like expect that anyone will ever like, you know, have to leave me forever unexpectedly. But if you're going to only spend like a few more minutes with me and then you're going to like dip and disappear for the rest of your life unexpectedly, like don't give me advice, like write that down and like put it in a letter. Just like sit there and just be like, hey, like, how's your day? Like act normal and then like leave me a letter. Like I think it was like such a bad move for her to be like, oh, like, you know, don't forget who you are. Like that was mm -mm, don't do that. I hope I'll never have to be in either of their positions, but like I. I definitely think that, like, more information in a, for a future, like, uh, what comes to mind is, like, Peter Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy, like, have his mother left him a letter, and obviously she intended him to read it then, but he didn't until, like, 20 years later. So, like, some sort of memento that you can, like, look back on and have more information and then, like, know that kind of to, like, cement the point, I guess. Yeah. But like, even if someone's like going on vacation and like, like I would prefer them to just not tell me and just like pretend like the day before is like totally normal. So I didn't like know they're going to be gone. Yeah. Unless like, they're I don't going on vacation during like, COVID time. So I can yell at them. Well, fair, but <laughs> like, uh, you know, regular times, like I, I would rather someone just say like, uh, like, yeah, like act normal and then just like leave. I, not instead of having this like weird cryptic message, but Anyway, this triggers Zuko, and as the soldier is about to go and, like, knock him out for good, Zuko, like, gets up, unleashes a hella strong fire blast, and knocks him back. He uses his swords to, like, send the flames out even further, and immediately he surrounds himself with a ring of fire, the town starts burning, the guy is, like, completely laid to waste. Clearly, this guy was absolutely no match for him, but Zuko obviously was trying not to use firebending here. Yeah, um, I think we skipped ahead because there was also the. Um, I don't know. I don't think know. that's the, that's the end of the like, episode because the yeah. cross cutting kind of confuses me a little bit with yeah, like, yeah. all that. But yeah, no. So he like lays this guy out, and he's like, "I am Prince Zuko, son of Ursa and Ozai, uh, Prince of the Fire Lord Nation, or whatever." And then he says that, and then Roger, uh, he from the wings, he's like, "I know you. You're a liar. You're you're." You're exiled. Like, yeah. Like, what a weird thing for this random Earth Kingdom, like Roger, apparently, uh, to say, like, oh, I know the entire backstory. Like, I know that your father burned you and you're banished. Like, that's really specific. Like, I know what we're saying. Like, it's crazy that Azula knows stuff at like seven um, for like how politics works. It's even more crazy that Roger knows anything about the inner workings of the Fire Nation. Like, who came with information about that? Clearly, Roger did. Roger. Roger, yeah. Roger. Roger. Facts. <laughs> um, but it's just like, 
so weird that this man is aware of this, but like also, like we said earlier, where are the wanted signs? You would think Roger would have, yeah. maybe he would know, but they don't have any wanted signs. So a little bit of an inconsistency there, but yeah, whatever. But then, so he tries to roll up, uh, he tries to like walk up to Lee and give him the dagger back and Lee wants nothing to do with him. He hides behind his mom. He, yeah, he says, I hate you. And his mom is like, you gotta leave now. Um, that's that's rough like i don't know what what you want from him because like honestly you are an enemy of the fire of the earth kingdom nation so like i don't really know what you like should be doing but like it is sad that he says like that he hates him yeah like i don't know i'm all about he clearly was showing care for them so i don't know like saves his life obviously but also he put his, yeah. his life in danger in the first day but also it's because the kid threw an egg so what really came first the chicken or the egg in this scenario <laughs> but okay does he even save his life though because like he leaves this village and like yeah. the earth soldiers that ran away can just run right back like it's not like they ran away forever yeah no they, they could just take him to the war like two minutes after zuko leaves who knows yeah like this kid definitely is on the front he, line. he doesn't come back Pour right? one out for lee what none of these characters come back right no i don't no, think so yeah. Uh, yeah, except for the pregnant woman who is in Serpent's Passport. Yeah, it's canon now. Uh, it's canon. Yeah. But, but definitely, like, poor went out for Lee, because Lee definitely went on the front line, like, next week. That's what they don't tell you. That's what they don't want you to know. Yeah. Um, we That's end the, the episode. Avatar show they're going to make is all about him. <laughs> it's just, like, Lee's front line venture. Yeah. That sounds great. Uh, we end the episode with uh, this like gigantic funeral ceremony for Fire Lord Azulon. The fire sages are all around saying um, like that, you know, that Fire Lord is dead. Like he did all these great things. And now Ozai is going to become the new Fire Lord um, as like as according to Azulon's dying wish. Um, I, I, I do like so. OK, this is like a big production, huge funeral love it like i love uh the idea of like having a, a huge funeral i guess but like to believe that his dying wish was to make ozai fire lord is just like a terrible take especially like, if iroh it, just must not care so now with the information that you shared about how uh ursa poisoned him like how did ozai just forge a letter and that's how they know yeah like because I, I mean it must have been yeah so anyway um, yeah, so now Ozai becomes Fire Lord, you know, the big evil guy that we know is the big bad guy is now the big bad guy. We go back to the past and we have a very idyllic, um, like scene as Zuko is riding into the sunset, totally alone as the orange of the sun fades. Um, and there you go. That's the episode. That's, uh, that's the episode for you. So what do you think about Zuko alone, Felipe? I think it's a phenomenal episode. I think it's very overarching. Like, obviously. This is the second time we've said Aang in this podcast. Third, if you include the intro, there's no main <laughs> characters besides Zuko and Azula in this episode. We really get to explore this character. And I think this is one of the reasons why so many people love Zuko as a character is because we get these fleshed out backstories in the storm and then here. And then he like we get this rich history in terms of his backstory. So it's a great character episode. The plot is not really super advanced in the current timeline, other than it's a we get to know more about Ozai and how he came to power and how Azula is a monster. Um mm-hmm. an entertaining monster, but a monster no less. Um <laughs> 
And so I just love that. I love the the storytelling, the writing, I think the little intricacies that I picked up on, on my second watch uh, after I took my notes in the first one uh, with the with the mother theme that we talked with the turtle, turtle ducks. I think that's fantastic. And I really enjoy this episode. And it's also very like aesthetically pleasing. It's very nice to look at and listen to. Yeah, I, I think that this is like a pretty good episode. The writers kind of have to like take a few steps back from what they did in season one. Cause like Zuko ultimately isn't going to be the big bad guy. That's always chasing them around. Like Azula takes that on. And now they have to like paint Zuko as like, yeah, he's a fire nation guy, but he's not like the fire nation guy. And so they kind of have to like go back from what they already did and like kind of show you the story as like you understand it now. Um, in order to get this like journey that he's going to go on for the next season to have to make sense. I think they do a really good job of that. But that being said, like it is an episode that has like a lot of plot, a lot of background. Um, it is like interesting that we get this, uh, like this story, we get this guy who's like, we kind of understand where he's coming from a little bit more. Whereas like before Zuko's motivations are like not always super clear. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that it's, it's pretty good. This reminds me of an episode of the walking dead where the governor's like walking around. Um, I forget what the episode's called. It's I can't like help you. <laughs> Philip Blake or something like that. I think I, I forget the exact episode. Anyway, uh, it reminds me of that episode where like we see a bad guy. We kind of humanize him a little bit. We give him like a little bit of background. And then like we say like, okay, like now he's going to keep going on his journey. And here, like he's able to pivot from this to be like a more sympathetic person. Yeah, because um, we also, see like he does mean well. I don't know what the structure was when the show got greenlit. If they were how many seasons they were given and guaranteed, I think it had to have been more than one because they start with book one. Unless they were just like bold, we're going to do like book one, and that's what we're calling each ep- uh, like each episode book one water for the first season. Um, but I think they definitely uh, had if they didn't if they were only going season by season. I think. Like, they probably had Zuko in mind for, like, season one. And then when they were, like, given more seasons, they were like, okay, we can work in Azula. We can give, like, create more of a backstory. And Zuko's not our big bad anymore. It's someone else and stuff like that. Because I know a lot of shows, they just go season by season. And then, like, the showrunner has the vision of what could come. But the writers themselves probably don't know as much. Yeah, I do think that is like roughly what happened. I know like, uh, you know, they kind of felt rushed in the series uh, in season three. I feel like, you know, they they knew, I think, in season two that like season one was a pretty big success. So I think they probably were planning a little bit further in the future uh, here, or at least like it seems like they were. Um, But yeah, like definitely uh, like they do have to kind of take a step back from season one stuff. But that said, very enjoyable episode. Now we are going to transition to our uh, episode rankings where every week we give a ranking from zero to four cabbages. You, the listener, can also write in with your ranking for the episode where you rank it zero to four cabbages. We'll average your ranking, my ranking, and Felipe's ranking to give the official ang in their ranking. Felipe, where are we starting this week? So I have thoughts because... I'm a, just like I'm a day one Avatar fan. I'm a day one Ang In There fan. I've been listening every week. Great podcast. And we don't always align. So I'm trying to think because I have <laughs> power in giving a score this week. Do I want to elevate this score? Because when I filled out my episode rankings, this was a 3.95. I don't know. if Do you need me to go up or down? Like Whoa. I don't know if you do 0.5s. 
point zero five. Point five is totally good. Okay, because I think in terms of like when I first watched it, I was like, oh, when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, this episode is so good. Um, I think it's better than the Blind Bandit. Um, I think the the only one that I've ranked a four so far that you've gotten to is Siege of the North Part One because that episode mm-hmm. I loved as a kid, and then I think it held up, and it just that episode speaks to me. And then Siege of the North Part Two has a creepy little monkey face thing, <laughs> I, traumatizing nightmare fuel. You talked about Tommy Pickles CGI version, how you can't sleep. That thing is nightmare, nightmare yeah. fuel for me. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. Cause then I think this is better than the blind bandit, but you both gave blind bandit fours. So I think I'm going to give it a four. I'm just going to do it. All right. This, uh, this episode is entering the avatar state for Felipe. I have to say listeners were not as high on this episode. You know, this is an episode that I think, uh, like holds up pretty well, but we are at a 3.31 from the listeners. I need to yeah. talk to some some people. Like, uh, uh, who do I need to talk to? Name names. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to name uh, names. But. We can name names later, uh, and you can uh, you can follow up with her upstairs. But uh, <gasps> yeah, we are. Lydia. She tainted. Did she tank the rankings single handedly? No, not single handedly. Okay. But I do think that people are not like super high on this episode. There is a ton of plot to get through, and like if you're just watching this episode, then I do see how you kind of get stuck on like. Can I, the... can I follow up? Do you mean plot yeah, or characters? Because I feel like this is a very character based episode. There's like a lot character, of plot yeah. that doesn't yeah. matter to the whole show, except for like the flashbacks. But I think I think it's very like interesting perspective on Zuko's backstory. But it, I don't think it's like super plot important but it is plot heavy in a way and I, yeah, yeah okay. I, I, th- I think it's a lot of like character work that's being done and it's like it's done well and it's pretty good um but i don't think that it is like the same as uh the same as um the blind bandit for that i'm giving it a 3.7 that's an a that's like an a solid a um i think this is a great episode you I'm know you coming in a with a four i'm giving it a full four <laughs> even though technically in my notes in my personal rankings i have it a 3.95 it's like the second best episode I've encountered so far along this journey with you. All, all right. Well, there you go. That has this episode at well, a 3.67, which uh, Felipe thinks is criminally. Underrated. I think that it's criminally underrated. Like, can you tell me some episodes that are above this off the top of your head? Yeah. I mean, I like, think if, Blind you think, Bandit- if you think the, the, the one that I don't like, the, what's it called? The, the Northern air temple. I don't like that episode. If that is above this episode, I will be so upset. <laughs> I don't think the Northern Air Temple is that episode's pretty good. I especially talking with Zach about that one and like talking about the stuff with the mechanist like that made me really appreciate it a lot more. But <laughs> um, I think like uh, honestly, I like uh, the Cave of Two Lovers more than Zuko alone. I love I'm not cave. sure. I had that on high as well. Yeah, I'm not sure like if uh, if like I rate it higher because I think Zuko alone does have like really interesting uh, moments there, like in terms of like the progression for the series. But yeah, I think like Tales of Bossing Say is better. I think Appa's Lost Day is better. Like we have some episodes coming yeah. up which I think are better, and I gotta That's save fair. the I've That's gotta fair. save the higher rankings for the better episodes, Felipe. See, but also just to like shed some light on my perspective, I I think the character journeys are so much more interesting than plot journeys more often than not. Like. I watched This Is Us this last week. They had a full episode on the journey home from the hospital with your newborn baby to the house and did it like with four different sets of characters. 
And that's just like a character show. And yes, there's plot elements to it, sort of, but there's like mysteries to unravel. But I think the character journeys are so precious. And like, I don't know, like, that's why I appreciate this episode so much. Like, in Avatar, obviously, there's a plot. And, but I love The Cave of Two Lovers for similar reasons. It's just a character story. It's like there's plot involved. You're getting from like closer to Omashu, but it's, it's really just like more character based. And that's why I love the shaggy cousins, the, the, uh spooky tunnel song whatever it's called oh secret tunnel secret tunnel song secret uh, tunnel yeah i love that song. um yeah that's a great one yeah but there you go 3.67 a solid episode ranking like uh, i know that you have this as a four but this is like a uh, this is an a minus you know I, that's that's a pretty good episode i'm just gonna go uh, look at see what some stuff are under it because <laughs> if i see something that is above it the avatar, the avatar state is above this episode. Get out of here. In prison is great. Okay, I can deal with that. <laughs> well, we're just getting dragged for our past opinions. Yes. Um, but before before we get too far into dragging us, or I guess while you pull it up, let's do the battle of the battle rankings real quick. Same thing as the episode rankings, zero to four. The only battle that we need to rank is the one between Zuko and the gang of C tier soldiers. Let me let me just yes, correct myself. You said this was a three point six seven. If we average it out with my score, your score, in the audience. Yep. Okay, so this is above the Avatar State. I stand corrected. This is because the okay, Avatar good. State has three point six six, and then okay, the Swamp is under. Avatar Day is under. Okay, I can I can look at this. I think the Blind Bandit is over it, and in prison is over it. But I think it's number three. I'm correct. All right. There you go. Our third best episode to date. Thank you. Uh, real historian work. You know, you're the research team as well as, uh, as well as the guest here on, uh, this week. Um, multitasking. Multitasking indeed. Definitely working overtime over there. Uh, yep. So battle of the battle rankings. We have the battle between Zuko and the C tier soldiers. This battle is like pretty interesting, but only because it's like Zuko, like thinking about his like past, um, and like yeah. trying to see him restrain himself from using firebending. Other than that, like this episode or that this fight has like nothing going for it. Uh, this fight is like, I don't know, not that good. I'm giving it a 2.9. Uh, Felipe, where are you? Um, maybe, maybe. Because some episodes I'm super harsh on, uh, like the Fortune Teller and the Northern Air Temple. I don't like those. Those were 2.4s. <laughs> so, like, maybe the audience is just like, this This kid should not talk about this stuff because he has weird opinions. But I, I think in terms of non-bending fights on the Zuko side, I thought it was kind of interesting to watch that. Um, I gave it a 3.3 in my notes with the bump, the the... the I then gave the bump because I was like, oh, the weapon stuff. So I ended up having it at 3.4 before the season, before the podcast. But you can convince me. I can take it down to 3.2 if you want. No, I, I think like a 3.15, like that would be what it averages out to. I, th- I feel like that's like yeah. fine. Like, you know, Truthfully, it's a it's a decent fight. Yeah. It's like not your typical fight, I guess. But I don't know. There's nothing here that's like, oh, yeah, you must like you must go back and watch it. Like I would never in my like you know, in a coherent state, be like, oh, I'm going to go watch the fight specifically. Yeah, no. Um, truthfully, I tell I, I wait for you guys to tell me how to feel about the fight. I don't really score my own <laughs> fights. I score the episodes, but I don't really score the fights. And I'm that's not involved in like when I email you people, I'm like, this is my episode score. Here's a question. That's fair. I don't I don't really do um, any of the other stuff, although I did come up with the, the segment idea for T-Quartet. That is true, yeah, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But first, we have to get to our listener feedback. Always, you can write in at avatar at com. We love getting listener feedback. 
it's probably my favorite part is to tackle the most crazy questions that you all come up with. Uh, Sarah had a great question. Is it appropriate to give a knife to a child? How does it stack up against stealing from pirates? Felipe, where do you weigh in on this? That kind of knife? Absolutely not. It is not acceptable at all. I remember when I was in <laughs> Spain, uh, I was like 15. My brother was nine. And my brother, we went to Seville and there's like tons of like swords and knives that you can buy. And my brother wanted to buy swords. And my brother was like, absolutely not. She bought him a wooden sword. That's it. Um, <laughs> um, and then I had foam swords and stuff like that. But no real knives. Uh, plastic knife, a butter knife. Okay, you can give to a child. But how old was this child in this episode? Like seven to like nine? Eight. eight? Yeah. yeah. Um, a butter knife, a plastic knife. Uh, in Have someone else cut his steak for him if he needs a steak knife at this age. I think, I don't know. Don't give knives to children. Don't give any weapons to children. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think don't give the knife to the child. You know, I actually had a pocket knife when I was like younger. Like you were one of those kids. Uh, well, I, I like was in Boy Scouts. I like had it, you know, in case I Makes ever sense. needed it. And like one of my friends gave it to me. And like I did used to carry it in my backpack, which I like thought was a fine idea and take it to school. And then one day I realized like this is a terrible, terrible idea. Like nothing good comes from having this in my backpack. And I like am very glad I stopped bringing it with me. I don't know um, if was in terms kid. of stealing from pirates, I feel like giving a knife to a child is probably worse, mm-hmm. but not by a lot because stealing is wrong. There was a kid in middle school who said he carried around a pocket knife in his sock. And I was like, why? I didn't like, I sh- in hindsight, I should have probably like reported that to like some It authority. seems uncomfortable. Yeah, but like, I don't know, like what was his purpose? Like, I get, at least in yours, it was like a backpack. So if like you ever got in a fist fight and got angry enough, which I would not condone, but you would take, you, you would have to like do a lot of steps to get the knife. Him, yeah. like if he just like, if someone like tripped him, the knife fell out of his sock, then some random grabbed it thinking it was something else and like cut themselves. That That's a hazard. Yeah, I, I had a friend who used to carry a brick in his backpack. As I mentioned earlier, I had bricks in my backyard and we'd like make stuff. So he took one of the bricks and carried it in his backpack and he would like sometimes pick fights with people and then like he would start swinging his backpack around and people would be like, oh, it's just filled with like, like, I don't know, books or papers, or whatever. But no, this thing was like filled with bricks. So he would like really hurt people with this these bricks and like then we got in trouble and everyone like empty their backpacks and like make sure no one had weapons because like people were bringing bricks like yeah he sounds like a real samantha pocket with the butter sock (laughs) exactly yeah that kind of reminds me of this story so um this kid i knew wrote for a promposal he wrote prom question mark on a brick threw it through the window of this girl's house and the girl said yes but the mother was pissed yeah, like, that's that's not okay. Like, I would be pissed too. Like, you are not going to the prom with this hooligan. That would be my thought. Yeah, uh, that is an all-time terrible decision. Like, so I had some cringy promposals. Like, I had one where I got like custom M and M's that were like want to go to prom or something like that. That was for you. Like, uh, I gave that to someone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Were you about to make fun of it, and then no. you heard it was for me, and now you're no, not going to? I was just like, I, I didn't know that you. How many times you were asked to prom? Like, I. Like, this was a heteronormative thing, but at the school that I went to, it was more like the guys have to ask the girls, which, because the girls asked during the Sadie Hawkins dance, and nice. um, yeah. forget gender norms. Yes. the uh, Yeah, we also had a, a Sadie Hawkins type dance, but it was called Carousel. Anyway, um, yeah, so like, what? what? <laughs> Carousel? 
Why? Yeah, yeah. It was like, uh, it was just a name for the dance. I don't know. Okay. It, it was a it was a good name. Anyway, um, moral of the story, Sarah, uh, don't give knife to children, mm-hmm. uh, especially because you have a small child. Yeah, definitely. Don't let no it. knives. De- no knives. Uh, steal from pirates instead. Um, Rudy asked a few good questions. Uh, the first off is, uh, note to self, do not let Zuko fix my roof. How many nails did it take that guy to get a few shingles in place? Great point. Uh, totally agree with you there. Um, any, anything to add Felipe? No, that's, that's, uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, this go, let's go back to your, your entrepreneur idea. How, what if they're not good workers? Like, would you still feed them? Um, Hmm. Kind of sounds yeah, messed no. up, though. Like, yeah, I, I guess you have to feed them because it's kind of rude to not do it. But maybe then, like, instead of making them do the manual work, you, like, enlist them to, like, go get other people. Like, make it, like, a pyramid scheme type thing. Like, oh, you can get out of doing the work if you, like, recruit two more more people. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. See? As long as they're I, good. I as, yeah. Chick's reasonable, but he won't hire Zuko to do his shingles. No. No. Definitely not. Uh, next question from Rudy with the flashbacks, we investigate Zuko's backstory significantly, at least as much since the storm from season one with a storm, Zuko's memories were juxtaposed against Aang's. Perhaps it might've been a better consideration to do something similar here and try to position them against Azula's interesting, um, thing here. Like obviously the episode's called Zuko alone. So like we definitely get like Zuko's thoughts by himself, Yeah, but I definitely do agree with, uh, Rudy here. What, what are your thoughts, Felipe? I agree to an extent. I think this episode, obviously I gave it a four. I think this episode is pretty good. And I, I maybe think that it might've been too cluttered if it was just one 24 minute episode. And we're also trying to fit in Azula's stuff. Plus the plot from this episode, plus Zuko's flashbacks. But I, I love it when shows do that that thing where they take a story that we're already introduced to and do it with a different point of view. Like, I think of Lost. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to our dads, Josh Wiggler and Mike Bloom, who love Lost. <laughs> um, the Like, the other 48 days, I think, is a really fun episode, and I also rank that very highly as well. But um, I think because we know the story of the on-island survivors, but then hearing the, the tailies and seeing their perspective is really fun. So if they ever did, like, an episode of the same events, but from Azula's perspective, even if it was like, I know the chase is next, right? In Avatar. So if uh, they like, yes, yeah. put the episode between Zuko alone and the chase being like Azula alone or whatever. And we can see what Azula is doing at that moment and see her perspective of the same events. That might've been a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the storm does such a good job of drawing connections between Zuko and Aang, showing that they're going through the same strife, but leading to different outcomes. I think here they could have done something similar to have like Zuko and Azula go through the same, like same, I guess, outcome, like same circumstance and then have like totally different results. I think that would have been nice to see. Um, but ultimately like, I really do like the like Zuko by himself type episode here. Yeah. Uh, Ru- Rudy also wrote in and said, gut punch level one to 10. How much does it stink for Zuko? The banished prince also get banished from a meager earth kingdom village where he might've had a positive impact. Uh, how do you rank this one? Ooh, can you repeat like, so one to 10, how bad is it to get like double dunk? Uh, <laughs> yes. Essentially. Uh, yeah. I mean, where's he to go? Like this poor man, he just, he just wants a home. Like he right? just wants to be loved. Give the man some love. And this one's got to burn like a little bit worse uh, than like the sting on his face from his father, just because <gasps> like 
I don't know. Just because like this earth kingdom village has nothing going for it. You're literally protecting them. You're coming in. You're going to like protect them against the bad earth kingdom soldiers. Um, And like without you, it's just going to go back to the way it was before. Like they're just going to start oppressing them again. So these people are literally picking oppression to you. Like that's got to blow. Yeah. They'd rather be in a worse situation than have your protection. That, oh, someone check in on Zuko. I'm worried about my dad. <laughs> exactly. Uh, someone else that we need to check in on is Iroh. Dan wrote in and asked, where is Iroh in this episode? How close is he to Zuko? I think a few towns away. Like, because Zuko goes on for a few. Like, so the last time we had seen Zuko, like, we saw them in the swamp, I want to say. Oh, no, yep. they were in Avatar Day, right? Oh yeah, they're on. We didn't see them last episode, right? Correct. So we don't have a ton, but like the last big story with Zuko and Iroh was um, when they went to the the villagers' house, the the mother and the daughter, and he stole the ostrich horse. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think he might still be like maybe two towns in uh, from that house, but in this Zuko might be like five, six towns away. So who knows? See, I kind of thought that uh, Uncle Iroh is kind of like Dwight in the episode Survivor Man with Michael, where like he's constantly just like watching. And like if Zuko ever got too far into it, like over his head, Iroh would be there because I think Iroh like ultimately cares for him. And yes, he knows that Zuko should go it alone. But like, I think that I think Iroh would be there if he really needed him. Iroh has the force, though, so he knows where Zuko is all the time. He can sense him. Wow. That's, that's wow, a little, uh, okay, just retconning there, right? Just has the force. <laughs> yeah. Cool, new power. Um, but also, can I give a shout out to Dan? He did a great job on the HHH podcast with Rob, the patron-only uh, Survivor feedback show, and we stand our Wheel Jam game. Yes, Wheel Jam is uh, a great game. I've gotten to play it. Uh, highly recommend. Very, uh, very fun to check in, so definitely check that out next time that it's playing... Uh, for the patrons there. Um, Dan also asked another question. Is this the darkest betrayal we've seen of the earth kingdom citizens slash soldiers so far jet and the freedom fighters, general Fong and the Chin village people are not nearly as bad as these soldiers. Totally cosign. These are the scum of the earth kingdom army. Yeah. These are just like those eggheads on Twitter. Like, yep. They really like, they're supposed to protect them, but they don't. And like, at least jet had a point of view. That is, the like you, you can understand his point of view. Maybe his means are not the great greatest way to go about them. But these these guys just suck. Yeah, them. yeah. I throw I an agree. egg at their head too. <laughs> go for it. Uh, Lydia wrote in, and th- this one's a doozy. She said, "Oh, I'm waiting. Are, are we going to fight her? I don't know, but I, I, she she has me shook already." She said, as Zuko is saying, Azula always lies. So too is he in a field. What an allusion to the fact that they have so much and so little in common. Lydia, our wordsmith English teacher. (laughs) I salute you. I mean, right? Like this is some like literary masterpiece right there. uh, Using the double entendre of lie. Very impressive. But she also wrote in a question. She said, Zuko is 0 for 2 on smoothly coming up with a fake name. Do you all have a go-to fake name or what would be your response if you had to come up with a fake name on the spot? I don't think I have a go-to fake name. Do you? Like, okay. When I was younger and I'd like play pretend, I probably had one. Like outside, like, oh, I did play Avatar in elementary school. I played Avatar and Code Lyoko, Danny Phantom, 
Like I think nice. you mentioned that at one time that like you played yeah. Avatar in the backyard and like at All elementary school during recess. I don't think I have a fake name. Yeah. So I, I think my go-to fake name, like anytime someone needs uh, like an email or something that like I want to sign up for it, but I don't want it. I put down one of my friend's names, actually the same frame, friend with the brick. So I would go with his name. Uh, so I, I would hit him with a, oh, my name is you James. Would hit him like he would hit people with the brick. <laughs> exactly. I would just be like, oh yeah, my name is James. It's easy to come up with because it is someone's like real name. And I know like a bunch of facts about him. So like if anyone similar. like, yeah, like wanted to know about me, like I could, you know, tell them that, but I would just use someone else's name. If you were on the circle, would you play as James or would you play as someone else or what? Because mm. I have thought about this. I don't know. It's a good question. I think I'd probably play as myself just because... I'd be so scared of like having an inconsistency. Yeah. I would play as my friend, but I would talk about it. Like I was themselves. Like I would play maybe as you or um, maybe will like another friend who is a man, because I feel like I can identify with that and yeah. I can just put in all my stories as their stories. Like just so like, then, be myself personality wise, but just have different photos. So then, uh, like, my name will be your go-to fake name if anyone asks you for a quick fake name? No, because I don't like you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. No, no, I would. Ugh. I would. But also, Brutal. Jacob and James are similar, so, so you that, that might help for you. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, anyway, that's oh, our listener feedback. Oh, I nope, some, When not. I was a kid, I would sometimes say I'm Fred because I didn't like, I like, this is like, the xenophobia internalized xenophobia i didn't like having a latino last name and like not an american name so then i would like people were like if i if i was interacting with some random i would probably be like i'm fred or i'm frankie or something i don't know some some like f name that was more yeah. american but now i embrace it see, see i thought you were gonna say because of the fred the youtuber and i was gonna say Absolutely that's a terrible not. reason no if anything uh, would have been fred from scooby-doo Ooh, true true yeah but anyway, Felipe, Felipe suits you right. I think it's a, uh, it is a, uh, yeah. Thank you. It fits better than a Fred. But there you go. That is our listener feedback. Thank you so much for writing in. I do really appreciate it. Last up, we have the, uh, what is it called nowadays? It's the T Quartet officially, but when I pitched it, to, it was like quartet, the yes. Bender Breakdown. And then it became Quattro Bendiario. Quattro and then yep. I think it had some other one-time names, but... We yeah. go with the T quartet, which the, I don't the remember. T quartet. It's because Iro likes T, and it's four people, right? Well, because uh, the T is like you need fire to boil the water, you need water, oh, air yeah. to cool it down, and earth for the plant. Like it's like all four in one. But anyway, the T quartet—that's the name. That's what we're here to do. Thank you so much for Felipe for coming up with this great segment idea. It's been so fun, and now it is your turn to be in the hot seat. We are doing Sesame Street characters, and yeah. you can take it away. So, when Jacob was like, who do you want to talk about? I'm like, well, Navi did Phineas and Ferb characters. You've already done Scooby-Doo characters in the past. So, where do I go? And I even applied recently for Renap, Elmo's biggest stand, because I think Elmo is just a very positive force. Like, <laughs> it, like it's childish, but like I, I want to work in kids' TV, like write kids' TV. So, I was like, just Googling some random like old shows and like feeling nostalgic. I just feel like Elmo exudes positivity and happiness in a way that we need during these times. So I just, there's also a great YouTube video, Elmo Sings Africa, which is highly entertaining. Um, but even for like my old ass. So I brought in Elmo, Big Bird, 
Oscar the Grouch, and Cookie Monster. And those are also the four colors of the different symbols. The, the different, oh, true. Like, um, but spoiler, I don't think they're going to go in different places. So also, yeah. um, if anyone out there needs, uh, is works on Sesame Street and you need an Elmo uh, voice actor, hit me up. <laughs> I've been working <laughs> on an Elmo impression. Yeah. Uh, the only Elmo that I like really think of is the Helmo meme. The like, oh. uh, the, yeah. yeah, the like Elmo that like came from the cake with like the fire behind it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the Elmo that's burned in my head, but that's not the impression I want to hear. Do you have a little bit of Elmo impression you want to do for us okay. on the pod? Um, yeah, just give me a second. No worries. We'll let you get in character. Yes. All right. Right now he's preparing. He's assuming the role of Elmo. He's turning a little bit red and fuzzy. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to take my, uh, this headphone out so I can like kind of hear it. And so, okay. Also, I don't want to scream into everyone's ears. Elmo doesn't understand that. Elmo understands that this quarantine thing is very hard for everybody, but Elmo's going to be here for story time and sing along and virtual planets together. Ooh, virtual. That's a good word. Virtual. Virtual. Yeah. So I will just, just remember everybody. Elmo loves you. Bye. Wow, Felipe, I almost started tickling you there, just like <laughs> out of uh, out of just like second nature. That was really good. Was it actually like people say that, but I don't. I I don't know. I I struggle with it. I mean, I haven't heard Elmo in like I guess like a little bit, but like that is the exact memory that I have of what Elmo sounds like. Yeah, I, it's just like the everybody. <laughs> like that's that yeah about yeah it. no that that was that was good. All right, well. uh Tell us where your uh, your voice impression goes. Well, where where, actually, uh, where would Elmo be sorted? So we can work backwards, but at the moment I have Elmo as a waterbender, but just because we have to go with the other people first. I think there's, the other three are okay. so much clearer and Elmo's just the last spot. Oscar the Grouch, clear firebender here. He's Clearly, yes. Very Jacob energy. He, he's, he doesn't <laughs> want to talk to anyone. He wants to hide in his trash can. He's just living his best life with his worm. But Felipe, I just talked to you for two hours talking about a children's TV show from 16 years ago, and you're calling me a grouch who doesn't want to talk to anyone. Ugh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, it's it is very you're accurate. You're the firebender, though. so you have to relate yeah. to Oscar the Grouch on a spiritual no, level. No, I do. I, I'm there. I totally agree. Oscar the Grouch is definitely the firebender of the yes. group. Uh, yeah, um, totally agree. And then I have Cookie Monster is the airbender because he's very out there he's living in his old world he's like nom, 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 nom. i want cookies and i feel like ing could get down on some cookies he's very like aloof and happy and he doesn't really care about like anything except for cookies and i feel like you can't really face him i don't know if you agree with that statement yeah i feel like him and monkey also would be a nice pair you know like baking a bunch of tarts and then throwing them at each other i feel like that's the type of energy that a cookie monster would bring um Ultimately, like, I think that Cookie Monster's never reaching spiritual enlightenment. Like, he's not getting to the part where he's, like, you know, finally, like, uh, you know, reached the need for no more, like, early possessions. So, uh, he's probably a bad airbender, but I agree. He's the airbender of this group. Do you think that if he ever did reach spiritual enlightenment, he'd become the veggie monster? Uh, do you remember that debacle? I do remember that debacle. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think, I think, uh, spiritual enlightenment for the cookie monster is veggie monster for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you do the, do you ever like go on YouTube rabbit holes with those wired autocomplete interviews? Um, I've not okay. done that in a There's while, this, but they, they have them. And then it. I think Sesame street did one. And that's where I watched it because I was bored and cookie monster 
legit laid me out. He cracked me up so much because I, I don't know, <laughs> like maybe maybe I just have an easy to please mentality, but I legitimately enjoyed that. <laughs> like Cookie Monster All segment. Right. And then Elmo was also helpful because then it could work on my impression. Um, there you go. The third person. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, there you go. I think uh, Cookie Monster is definitely a good airbender. Who's up next for us? Big Bird, who was the third person in that video. I think Big Bird's very grounded, which is ironic because he's a bird. Um, he's a very grounded creature. That was a good crack. <laughs> uh, that yeah, sorry. That, that was a very loud crack. Yeah. My bad. Um, but uh, Big Bird, he's kind of like also the center of Sesame Street, the earth, the center of the earth. Um, you think of Big Bird first, probably when you think of Sesame Street. He's out there. He's very friendly, very grounded, very loving. I think he's like very sturdy presence in Sesame Street. Um, yeah, I, I don't really remember a ton about Big Bird. I feel like the other characters have like way more outsized personalities. So uh, like I didn't yeah. I, I really struggled to know where uh, Big Bird should go. Yeah, he's also friends with Snuffy. So maybe they can be Earthbenders together. He could, um, But uh, yeah, also Big Bird and Billy on the Street. So much fun as well. Um, I think it was Big Bird, Michelle Obama, Ariana Grande, and Billy Eichner on Billy on the Street together. That was yes. What a what a crew. Um, and also, if you want nightmare fuel, the Brazilian Big Bird is scary. <laughs> he, oh yes, the, all the different types of Big Birds. Those things are freaky. I am not a fan. <laughs> I think his name is like Gibraltar. Uh, something Gibraltar, like the straight of Gibraltar. Baldo, and- Let me, no, Garibaldo. Um, Big Bird. Let me see. Let me look at his name. Because I'm pretty sure Gibraltar's like the the little piece of land in between, yeah. uh, like Spain and North Africa. No, Big Bird's blue cousin is Garibaldo. Is a whole vibe. Apparently, there's a recent Mashable article about him. Um, All right. Well, there you go. Trending in these uh, in yeah. these uh, internet streets. Okay. Cool. And then the last one we have is Elmo. Why is Elmo the waterbender? So I was. Waterbender because Elmo likes to have fun and he has a goldfish named Dorothy. No, um, so Elmo's a waterbender because I feel like he's the most childlike and he like fluctuates in the emotions the most, and the other ones are just easier to place. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, that makes sense to me. I think that that, uh, that what we have, let me see if I can do this Cookie Monster is the airbender, Elmo's a waterbender, Big Bird as the earthbender, and Oscar the Grouch is the firebender. For RT Quartet. And Jacob's like, why am I friends with this kid? We go through that. No, 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 not at all. Uh, Felipe, thank you so much for coming on Ang In There. I could not Ang In There without you. Yes. Um, people can check you out on Brazilian Dragons Pod, where you're talking about Scooby Doo. The live action one coming you. up this week. The first live action oh, really? one. Yeah, that's where we're at. Um, Kate, myself, and maybe a guest from our little world of RHAP and post show recaps might be joining us TBD on the time because Kate's been busier than usually lately. So Scooby-Doo stuff. And also like, that's where we talk about other Nickelodeon, Disney channel, Cartoon Network content that isn't avatar because we leave you with the avatar content here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mentioned the Jimmy Timmy power hour. We have a podcast on that. We've done other decoms. We're doing a luck of the Irish podcast this month. So Tune in, everybody, and what you're doing as well, which Jacob's about to plug, but I rudely interrupted him. No, no, no. And then, yeah, people can check out what you're doing uh, with the Fifth Wheel Navi, uh, you know, former guest Felipe and hopefully future guest Davis 
comma will. Da- oh my goodness, it is too late. Yeah. Davis uh, comma will. Um, uh, breaking down Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Wow, that was a uh, yeah. mouthful. And you can follow both of those Brazil Dragon Pod on all social media, and then What You Doing Pod on Twitter. So. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, you can follow me at JK Redman. Uh, we will be taking a little bit of a break. Scheduling is hard uh, on hang in there and we will be uh, a little bit up in the air, but we will be back in your feeds. Do not unsubscribe because we will be back before you know it. Uh, until then, see you all next time. Bye.